106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Anything about this Democrat impeachment frenzy that hasn't been a lie? Let's go through this evolving Democrat narrative. First, we were told by the Washington Post that President Trump made an inappropriate promise to a foreign leader during a phone call. That was a lie, as the transcript of the phone call proved. Then, we were told that the whistleblower complaint was the actual smoking gun proving that President Trump threatened the president of Ukraine to withhold U.S. aid if Ukraine didn't dig up dirt on former Vice President Joe Biden. But we saw the actual transcript of the phone call for ourselves, and there was no such threat. That was a lie. Quid pro quo was a lie. The mainstream media reported that in the transcript, President Trump asked Ukrainian President Zelensky for a favor about investigating Joe Biden. But the favor Trump asked for was not about Joe Biden. It was about CrowdStrike. So that was a lie. Next, the Democrats in Congress accused the Trump White House of staging a cover-up of the transcript, hiding it on a super-secure computer system where nobody could see it. But the president released the unredacted transcript to the public. So how could there be a cover-up? That was a lie. So the Democrats morphed their narrative again to claim that even though President Trump released the transcript to the public, it was unprecedented for the Trump White House to hide the transcript on a secure computer. But then Obama's former national security advisor, Susan Rice, said that the Obama White House did the same thing. So that attack was a lie. But the Democrats didn't stop there. They then claimed a report from Sean Davis at The Federalist was false. Davis reported that sometime this summer, the whistleblower form was changed on the Inspector General of the Intelligence Community's website to allow an option for secondhand information, whereas before, the form only allowed the option for firsthand information. The IGIC then released a statement corroborating Davis's reporting. So the mainstream media was caught in their lie. Likewise, 60 Minutes reported that the whistleblower was under government protection because he feared for his life. But then the whistleblower's attorney said 60 Minutes was wrong. The whistleblower was not under government protection. So that was also a lie. And don't forget about Democratic Congressman Adam Schiff's theatrical performance in Congress, where he literally fabricated a fake conversation between Trump and Zelensky and acted like the fake conversation was true. But make no mistake, Schiff's make-believe was a big, whopping lie. In fact... All of Schiff's media hits have claimed that President Trump asked the Ukrainians to invent dirt on Joe Biden or else risk losing U.S. aid. And all of that is a provable lie. Then we have Joe Biden's surrogates claiming his actions in the Ukraine have already been investigated. But by whom? The prosecutor put into place after Biden got the real prosecutor fired? This is a lie. Biden also claims he never talked business with his son Hunter. But Hunter told The New Yorker that they did talk business. And then this photo surfaces of Joe Biden with Hunter and Hunter's business partner all playing golf together. So all that seems like a lie. It's all lies. Lie, 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 lie. And for what? Because the Democrats can't find a single real allegation against Donald Trump, so they are forced to lie. And that is my final point. People, people. 
Welcome. This is Lou Benninger with No Hostages Radio. And um, it should be October 5, 2000. And and, uh, let's see, what date is it? 2019? Is that what it is nowadays? So we're here for two and a half hours today or two hours and 20 minutes or however long I talk for, actually. Since we're not, we don't have any constrictions of radio. So uh, if you're new to us, No Hostages Radio, we, we put out a broadcast every week. And uh, you can connect with us however you got to us. I don't know how you got here, whether you just went to your podcast source and looked up and stumbled across No Hostages Radio. Or you went to our website at nohostagesradio.com, whichever. That's great. Welcome. As you notice, if you went to the website, there's some articles there you can read every week, a couple articles a, re- a week. If you want to contact me, you can reach me at lou, L-O-U, at nohostagesradio.com. Or you can dial me up or you can text me at 530-713-1838, 530 uh, Thank you for listening. We're broadcasting uh, out of... Um, Yuba County in Northern California. We have 58 counties in California. We're up here in the north. I tell people uh, that north is very different than the south of California. And if you want to live in uh, metropolitan areas or congested areas, underserved by freeways, poorly constructed freeways, not enough of them, uh, sit in traffic for hour or two each day. Uh, that would be Southern California. Beautiful weather down there. Lots of uh, congestion and millions and millions and millions of people. There's almost 40 million people in California, and most of them live in what we call Southern California. We're in the north. It's rural, <clears throat> agricultural, mountains, lakes, beautiful up here. But we're being controlled by the uh, by the politics of Southern California and Many people up here in Northern California, the top 20 to 24 counties, want to, want to uh, I was going to say secede, but we don't want to leave the union. We want to leave California and become our own state, maybe even be called the state of Jefferson. But that that's just a small particular. The big deal is to have less government, less taxes, less craziness, and uh, more freedom, uh, and to follow the Constitution of the United States of America. That's what we're interested in. So you can you can check into the state of Jefferson if you want. And um, we never know whether it's going to come to pass. But we know one thing. If you don't work at something, it will never come to pass. You can guarantee it. I always get a kick out of people. That, oh, well, that's not ever going to happen. Well, even if you kind of wanted it to, if you never put any energy into it, it's, it's never going to happen. So... Um, one of the things I've been putting some energy into lately is the recall of the governor of the state of California, Gavin Newsom. And uh, you can, I'll give you some coordinates to connect on that in, in later in the show. But you can uh, go online and you can't sign online. You have to download a petition if you're nowhere where petitions are being signed. But they're trying to, I believe, get 1.5 million signatures good registered voters, clear signatures, to put um, Gavin Newsom's name on the ballot 
to recall him, if we get it on the ballot, then folks have to actually vote to recall him. And if he if the majority of people want to recall him, according to their vote, then there'll be alternative candidates on the same ballot that will be an option. And whoever gets the most votes, if Gavin Newsom is recalled, the one who gets the most votes would be the next governor of the state of California, whatever party they're from. So if that's new to you, okay. But uh, those of us who've been around a while were here and voted to recall Gray Davis, uh, another a Democrat that had run the state on the rocks. And uh, unfortunately, when we got his replacement, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, he was kind of an unknown commodity, but it didn't take long to figure out that he really wasn't a Republican. He was something else, kind of a mutated Democrat, maybe. But uh, anyway, we got eight years of him. So we've had a series of liberal uh, governors and legislators for almost 50 years now, and the state of California is looking more and more like uh, Venezuela became. And so we'll be talking about that as well. So thank you for for listening. And uh, we have a few people that sponsor us. Uh, We don't make money on this. We just kind of, people talked me into uh, getting on the radio years ago. Uh, I think, I don't know how many years ago now, six or seven. And uh, now we're on to a podcast. I I don't know whether I mentioned it, this is our 26th. Uh, weekly podcast, and uh, we usually have the podcast put up on Sat by Saturday morning of each week. So I've been fascinated by Venezuela because I, you know, when I went through school, I think in grammar school, we studied all the, not only states of the union, but also uh, Central American states, South American states, because they were in our hemisphere, and uh, learned about them, learned the resources their economics, what language they spoke, who the president was, and we had to recall that on tests. So Venezuela was known as as one of the premier states, say if, if, if North America, uh, United States is, is like the wealthy, the, the heavy hitter uh, uh, nation, Venezuela would have fit that rich, rich, wealthy, uh, democratic uh, <clears throat> nation for South America. And, uh, and I went to, uh, I was, I graduated from grammar school, I think in 1963, and then on to high school through 67. And those are the years that I remember studying about Venezuela, but Venezuela up until, oh, then through the eighties was still, they claim, people claim, the geologists say that, uh, Venezuela is one of the richest, if not the richest uh, nation in oil reserves in the world, just Amazing, right? You'd think that would be phenomenal. And it's a great uh, area. They could have agriculture, all kinds of things. But without dwelling on all that, I just wanted to give a little history here on what happened down there. Hugo Chavez, uh, who had actually tried to, as a military guy, tried to overthrow the government uh, and failed. He did a couple of years in prison and got out and ran and finally won and became uh, president of Venezuela in the late 90s. And uh, then they uh, they began to make the country a socialist country. They began to take over industry. They took over the oil industry. They took over health care. And really, they began, began to manage everything from centralized uh, government like the Russians did, like the Chinese have. 
And, uh, you know, everything, even food supply, they manage the food supply. So over a period of years, it took a while to get there because it takes a while to, to ruin the entire nation. And it takes, now they're uh, so screwed up down there that they, they can't even produce their own fuel, even though they have uh, one of the biggest reserves of fossil fuels in the world. They're importing uh, fuel to keep cars going. So uh, they voted for a socialist president. People actually voted for it. They, they welcomed this person in, Hugo Chavez. And uh, the country began to unwind, even though we have uh, Hollywood actors and, and liberals in the Democrat Party uh, praising Venezuela, even to today. Bernie Sanders does today. And, um, and also Cuba or Cuba. Uh, and uh, they today are uh, starving People uh, nationally, the people have lost 19 plus or 20 plus pounds average per person. They're eating their zoo animals. They're eating their own personal pets. Uh, they, they do not have enough medicine. They do not have enough food. They don't have enough, hardly anything. And uh, I think three conservative estimates, three to five million people have crossed the border into other countries uh, or tried to even get in the United States constitution and elections have been suspended recently chavez hugo chavez fought cancer for years and died in his late 50s and then president maduro took over he's been a disaster there's been uh, riots down there and uh, it's just a total mess and it's the what you're seeing in venezuela is the classic case of socialism and california is heading down that way now i'm going to talk later about uh, hopefully we'll get to it, but I'll just say it now. If you look up uh, the Hugo Chavez's children or Maduro's children, they're some of the richest people in the country. They have billions and millions and billions of dollars stashed. It's interesting, isn't it, that uh, the socialists who claim we're all going to be equal and we're all going to be share share and share alike. but what happens is, is the people at the top somehow end up with all these millions and billions of dollars, but they don't actually ever produce anything. They don't cure cancer. They don't drill a well. Uh, they don't uh, operate and fix somebody. They just simply control the country and end up with all the money. It's just an amazing phenomenon. So uh, so that's Venezuela. We'll get back if I have time. I wanted to talk about, I got this guy, they arrested the mayor, a mayor, in uh, China recently for corruption, and he had billions, billions with a B. How does a mayor end up with billions of dollars in gold? So he's got billions of dollars in gold. The Chavez and Maduro children have millions and billions. All these are supposedly socialist and communist countries where we all all are going to uh, rise together, right? We're all going to be the same, all share. Uh, I remember the first time I went to China, uh, people, most people were still uh, wearing, you know, they they issued clothing. They didn't have Western clothing when the communists finally took over. And they issued clothing to you, and it was like a Mao suit, uh, pants and uh, coat and a little hat. And they all looked the same. And they, many, many people wore those uh, the first in the 1990s, early 90s, when I went there. <clears throat> so kind of to be symbolic that we're all equal. We're all the same. Mao, if you look at Mao and the, the uh, Mao Zedong, 
You look at fo- old photos of him and his cap and everything. It's kind of a little like a little uniform. They all had to adopt that uniform because they're all the same. But they weren't really all the same. Some were just more the same than others. So that's that's socialism. And uh, the problem is, is there's been such a dumbing down in our school system that young people are so stupid that they're they're thinking that they can have this wealth that they've been uh, spoiled by in the and sent to college by their parents and spent forty thousand dollars a year to study zombies and how to have a have sex with a bat. And uh, they think they're going to keep that kind of wealth and end up with a socialist country. And uh, so the other thing, let me, I'm going to move on from Venezuela. I want to talk about Eric Holder. Eric Holder was the attorney general under Barack Obama. Eric Holder's wife and he and his wife own a building that they uh, rent to an abortion clinic. This guy's a real piece of work. He's a criminal. He's a liar. <clears throat> He's a prolific liar. He he was uh, held in contempt by the Congress uh, by not uh, providing information to them. So I, I want to read you something. Holder was speaking at, at the Breakfast Club. Um, I don't even know where that is, but the short article said he was speaking uh, and he he had time for a short interview. And he stated that Republicans are going to cheat in the 2020 election. Now, this is just so incredibly amazing that the very people, you know, when people accuse you of things that you didn't do, usually they're the ones that do them. Uh, if they accuse you of, well, I won't get it. I don't want to get sidetracked. So anyway, he says he's convinced that the Democrats will win in 2020, but he's going to really work really hard to make sure that they do. He further stated, now this is, this is an attorney talking. This is a quote. And he said, it's going to be hard because the reality is that Republicans are going to cheat. They're going to try, try to keep people away from the polls. I, I want you to just think about any news story you've ever heard where a, Republicans went to the polls and demonstrated or tried to intimidate people to not vote. Now, that would only be like the Black Panthers and, and radical left that did that, right? But they are, he's saying they're going to try to keep people away from the polls. They're going to move polling places. In other words, they're going to put polling places on wheels and move them so when you go to the polling place at the corner of 5th and J or something like that, you're going to go down there to vote where you've always voted, and it'll be all closed up and say, sorry, we moved, but we can't tell you where we're moved. Now, that is just such a bunch of crap. So then he says they're going to do a whole variety of things. I want you to just think about what is a whole variety of things. When you write that in a term paper for school, your teacher would say, that doesn't even mean anything. What are things? They're going to do a whole variety of things? What does that mean? Why don't you express, tell us what those things are. But here we have a guy that was a top lawman in the, in the United States of America, Eric Holder, for eight years. He said they're going to do a whole variety of things that when we had a Voting Rights Act that was intact and a Justice Department that was concerned about it, we could prevent a lot of this stuff. So we got things and stuff. You know what You know what he's saying? He's not saying anything because he doesn't have anything to say. He doesn't have an argument. The, uh, the Republicans or the conservatives in the country have wanted to have 
honest elections, whether they win them or not. They wanted to have elections where the voters were actually citizens of the United States and needed to prove by an identification, like an ID. I have multiple uh, IDs myself. Most people do. They need to prove, not just say, I'm Lou Benninger and I'm a citizen. They'd have to actually show their ID and then they can match it up with voter registration there at the polling place. So he said, we're going to prevent a lot of this stuff and we're going to keep and we're going to uh, that the Republicans or conservatives are going to do a whole variety of things. I don't know what things and stuff are, but we don't have the, those tools now, he said. So in other words, we're not in control. So we've got to be prepared for a tough fight, but it's a fight that we can win. Well, that's Eric Holder. He's a liar. Remember, he's the one with Obama that was shipping guns, actually selling guns illegally into Mexico, thousands and thousands of weapons and trying to make trying to create a disaster or a crisis so then they could confiscate all the guns from law-abiding citizens although Obama and Holder were not law-abiding isn't that amazing so to I want to tag team onto this and I uh, because we're talking about safe and legal elections that you can trust where you don't have people voting that aren't supposed to be voting, that people actually belong in this country. So we have a title of this article, Mall Shooter, Not a Citizen, Voted in Three Elections. So I don't know whether you followed these uh, different shootings, but uh, an armed gunman killed five people in the Cascade Mall in Burlington, Washington. Uh, now they realize that a guy named this guy's Arcan, A-R-C-A-N, Seton, C-E-T-I-N. Uh, he went in. Uh, he's a Turkish immigrant. He came here when he was six years old. He's 20 now, but he doesn't. He isn't a citizen. He's got a work permit. And um, he entered the mall. And uh, then he came out. Then he went back with a rifle and he killed five people. Now, as they began to look at his background, they realized that he had voted in the 2014, 2015, and 2016 elections. He, he illegal, illegally registered to vote, and then he voted. Now, uh, the state of Washington has a secretary of state uh, who manages the, the uh, legitimacy of these elections, and it's so disappointing at the at the lack of honesty by this. She's actually a Republican Secretary of State, Kim Wyman. Obviously, she she has not learned to be transparent nor do her job well. But her job is really dictated by the legislature. Uh, the uh, Secretary of State just can't make up the rules. They're followed by the legislature. They're uh, led by the legislature. So Seton is classified as a permanent resident alien from Turkey with a green card that allows him to work, but he is not a citizen with the right to vote. Um, so voters in Washington must attest. A test means to go into the polling place and say, I'm Lou Benninger. They said, oh, yeah, OK. And and I'm a citizen. You're, that's a testing. You don't have to do anything more than that. Uh but the state does not require proof, no, no, like driver's license or an ID card or matching up your name to the name that's on the voter registration list. They don't even check. Election officials um, 
operate on what they call the honor system. Now, I don't know why we would do that. We don't use that much uh, anywhere else. Usually, uh, if you're taking a test for school, college, you gotta you got to somehow prove that you are who you are. If you want to go in and get anything done, you have to, when I go into jail, I have to show that I'm who I am. Take my, uh, you know, I have to show my license all over the place. So um, Kim Wyman says, she's the Secretary of State, we don't have a provision in the state law that allows us either uh either county election officials or the secretary of state's office to verify someone's citizenship. Now, isn't that interesting in the entire state of Washington? She's saying I'm the secretary of state, but I need to follow the law and I have no provision in law that I can check someone's citizenship. So we're going to take a break. If you're new to this, we take uh, six, we have six, about half hour or 20 minute segments, six, 20 minute segments. And then we, uh, play a couple of clips just to give me a chance to swig a little tea or something. And I'm going to play you a couple of clips today, but one of them, a couple of the clips today will have to do with climate. This one is uh, no one with a brain takes climate alarmists uh, seriously. So we'll be right back. I happen to think that we could do a much better job of protecting our planet. I don't subscribe to the doom and gloom theory that we're all going to die in the next decade because the oceans are going to start boiling over. But I do have an issue when I see piles of plastic trash floating out in the Pacific. I don't use plastic whenever possible, and I think we should stop using styrofoam. I recycle more than I throw away. And I think that the free market should drive more change. But there is a reason why no one with a brain takes climate alarmists seriously. Here's a good example. Some fools over at Union Seminary in New York City photoed themselves confessing their eco-sins to plants. Plants. See, there's a major difference between wanting to find new ways to better care for the planet and literally praying to your ficus tree. Then last Friday, public schools turned hundreds of thousands of students loose into the streets to scream about climate change. Here's how that went down. This is a fight for our lives, for our security, for all future generations to come. They want us to just sit quiet? is just the latest to buy into it. I know all the 16-year-olds who stomped through the streets last Friday don't remember any of this, but Al Gore was making crazy doomsday predictions back before you were a tadpole. And according to him, we're all supposed to be dead by now about five times over. 
Yeah. See, back in 2007, Al said that the summer sea ice in the Arctic would be entirely gone by the year 2013. It's not. In his 2006 film, An Inconvenient Truth, he predicted the seas would be risen by about 20 feet by now. They've risen about one to three millimeters a year. He claimed climate change was killing the polar bears. Their population rose by more than 50%. And it did not start with him. Harvard biologist George Wald said back in 1970 that civilization would cease to exist within 15 or 30 years. Paul Elric wrote that in the 1980s, the majority of the world would be in a famine. North Texas State University professor Peter Gunter predicted that by 2000, every single country besides Europe, North America, and Australia would be starving to death. Ecologist Kenneth Watt said we'd all be in an irreversible ice age by the turn of the millennium, and that by the year 2000, we would have run out of crude oil. And those are just a few. But despite the fact that all of these crazy apocalyptic prophecies did not even come close to being true, Chicken Little is still running around screaming that the sky is falling. Last Friday, when thousands of teenagers took to the streets of the world's major cities to demand politicians act on climate change, they have been brainwashed into believing leftist politicians were all too happy to take advantage of them and use these kids as political props to try to score points. Like if we just elect them, they'll save us all from imminent doom. See, psychologists report that an increasing number of their underage patients are being put on medication to help them cope with eco-anxiety. Many people have started actual support groups to help them combat the stress of being terrified over climate change. And here's where the government swoops in. See, they know that if you're scared, you'll give them control. Control of the economy, control of energy, control of food, control of your life. These guys thrive on fear. They need you to be so scared you'll surrender your freedom and your independence to the government that promises to keep you safe. According to Andrew Yang, this means that we need to up the price of beef so that people can't afford to eat it, which will disproportionately penalize the poor. To Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, this means we have to tax everyone into poverty to rebuild every building in America, shut down our airports, and stop the cows from farting. To Bernie Sanders, it means encouraging women to abort their babies up through the ninth month of pregnancy for population control. See, for liberal politicians, climate change means destroying the free market in the name of saving the earth. This isn't about the planet or saving our species or making sure the great coral reef stays colorful. This is about the government stepping in to run your life. And when they can't convince you to give up your freedom nicely, they use fear. So I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, I'm going to go on talking about Kim Wyman with the university or not university, but the uh, uh, state of Washington. She's secretary of state. So Kim Wyman says we're on the honor system up here. So a person we have no way to verify someone's citizenship. That's amazing, right? Uh, so she says, so we're in this place. Now, this is such baloney, she says here. So we're in this place where we want to make sure we're maintaining people's confidence in the elections and the integrity of the process. Totally political gobbledygook. But also, we're giving the individual, uh, like we would any voter, his due process. I, I, due process of what? 
Due process of what? I mean, the person doesn't even belong in this United she, He's not even a citizen, and he's in voting. What is the due process? Did he come in and just tells a lie? She says, we're moving forward, and that investigation is really coming out of the investigation from the shootings. So and they go on and say, the penalty for voting by a non-citizen up to five years in prison, $10,000 fine. Is, has anybody ever in the history of the United States seen anybody get that penalty? I, I don't ever see it. So why even why even list it? It's just a bunch of crap. And she's just blowing smoke up here. She said the penalties are very serious. That's why we want to make sure we're very measured. And this is why we want to make sure we're very calm and purposeful in how we move forward. Move forward with what? It's, a, it's amazing to me that we have to use a driver's license and an ID to almost get in everywhere and do anything anywhere. But when we go to, I got to show an ID if I want to go get medical care and they want to make sure I'm the guy who's actually should be getting the medically. I got to show my ID. I got to show my ID all the time. Wyman admit, admitted <clears throat> she had no way of knowing <clears throat> how many non-citizens were registered to vote <clears throat> in the state. But she did not think the revelation that Seton indicated there was a need for worry. Now, it's interesting to me. We got a guy who's he's, reg, he's registered. He's not a citizen. He's voted three times. And, and based on that fact, she has no worry that that might that anybody else would have thought of doing that. Now that gal, uh, she's an airhead. I don't care whether she went to college or not. Uh, she is an airhead, and the the legislator, legislators of the state of Washington, obviously are leaving it wide open. And of course, that's right up Eric Holder's line. He thinks that anybody that is in this country even if they're coming over here to go to Disneyland, should be able to stop in and vote as long as they're going to vote Democratic. It's just unbelievable. Uh, so we need a voter ID, a national voter ID system that if you're going to get involved in elections or government, people ought to know who you are and whether you're actually a citizen of this country. So you could have a voter ID. You could have an ID system where on that ID, it says this guy's a registered voter, right? I don't know. It's, uh, we'll have to check and see if California has anything. But to me, uh, the DMV with the motor voter system in California is, is such a fiasco and a fraud. It's just a complete fraud that thousands of people have been registered to vote that specifically were, were they were allowed to get a driver's license, but they don't have a right to vote. Now there's a new book out uh, written by a guy named Jerome Hudson. And Jerome Hudson, I couldn't tell by his name, but I saw his photo and he's black. And he wrote a book and 50 things they don't want you to know. 50 things they don't want you to know. And it says he dives deep to uncover the things Americans are not supposed to realize. Many of our most holy, sorry, hotly debated topics are shaped by Davos power brokers, 
that's climate change power, power brokers, woke college professors, TV talking heads, social media activists, and feckless Washington swamp monsters who want you to only follow their narrative. In other words, their lies. This sounds like a great book. I'm going to try to get a copy, but I haven't. I, I, what I know about it, I've read about it. So I want to just give you a snippet and see if you want to get it. 50 Things They Don't Want You to Know by Jerome Hudson, H-U-D-S-O-N. So let me just read you a few hot points and see whether this catches you off guard. See whether you were fooled or not. Your teachers, he said, your teachers, your politicians, and your local newspaper are not likely to ever tell you the following. Okay, here here we go. Black and Hispanic students are more underrepresented, underrepresented at America's top colleges and universities today than before affirmative action. Now, if you know what affirmative action is, that means that regardless of the academic standard or performance of of uh, minority students, they were given a place in higher education, even though they didn't perform high enough to earn it, right? So it's kind of like you go to work, and you work your rear off, and if there's a black and Hispanic guy there, and he doesn't work very hard, you get paid the same. That's affirmative action, Right. They make a place for blacks and Hispanics because somehow they're not capable to perform at the same high level. So they treat them differently and they just give them a pass, right? That's kind of like a a good football player in your college. He doesn't have to get good. They just give him good grades to make him pass. It's kind of like those, those, uh, well-known celebrities and stuff that paid 400, $500,000 to their kid. I heard one the other day, uh, they gave him a tennis scholarship. They, he paid five hundred thousand or four hundred thousand dollars. They paid to the tennis coach. They gave him a tennis scholarship to this Yale or Harvard, one of the Prince, one of the Ivy League schools. And the kid never played tennis in his life, but they got him in through a tennis scholarship that they paid for. Right. Uh, so that's what's going on here. So, in other words, what Hudson's saying is that. The question is, from the 1960s or 70s when affirmative action started, did it help uh, more blacks and Hispanics succeed in college? And the answer is no. There's actually less uh, in the higher education now than there were before affirmative actions when people actually had to work hard for it. Number two, more than half of the U.S. Border Patrol agents are Hispanic. Did you know that? I bet you didn't know that. But the way you've probably been told is there's a bunch of white guys down there shooting Hispanic people, right? Or being hard on Hispanic people. But these these are more than half the Border Patrol agents are Hispanic. Number three, the U.S. settled more refugees in 2018 than any other nation. Did you know that? You didn't realize that? You mean the media hasn't been telling you that there's more than half of all Border Patrol agents are Hispanic and the U.S. of all the countries in the world took in more refugees in 2018? How about this? Half of federal arrests are immigration related. You think, oh, is immigration really a problem? Half of federal arrests are immigration related. How about this? Amazon, you know, Amazon, Jeff Bezos, B-E-Z-O-S, 
paid zero dollars in taxes on 11.2 billion in profits in 2018. Hold that thought. How about this? Taxpayers pay out 2.6 billion in food stamps. You think, oh, I wonder what that means. Well, I'm going to tell you, I didn't read the rest of the line. Taxpayers dole out a lot more than that in food stamps, but 2.6 billion of all the money spent on food stamps are to dead people in over a two-year period, in less than two years. In other words, no one is really culling the rolls. Nobody's verifying who's who in the zoo. Do, will you please move up close to the mirror and breathe? If you, if you can breathe, then we'll give you food stamps. But they're not even checking whether they're paying, giving out food stamps to living people. So other people that have never qualified for food stamps are taking the food stamps or they're maybe they qualify, but they're already getting food stamps. So they're getting their food stamps and the other guy's food stamps and the other guy's food stamps. All of them are dead. 2.6 billion over two years to dead people, food stamps. It'd be nice to have $2.6 billion, right? To spend on other things. Maybe we could build a bridge. I saw the other day where they asked Gavin Newsom if we could have a third bridge between Yuba and Sutter counties, and he said, no, that would build a bridge over here, build a bunch of bridges up and down the Feather River. World leaders uh, flew to Davos uh, to the uh, climate change conference, you know, is Davos, Switzerland? I think it is. You know how many private jets they took to and while they're trying to save the environment, of course, these are the people that we make an exception for. They can be billionaires while they can criticize billionaires and millionaires. They can criticize them, but they can be them because they th they have their heart in the right place. World leaders flew to Davos, utilizing 1,700 private jets to discuss the impact of global warming. Now, they could have flown, like I just flew back from... Uh, Asheville, North Carolina, and I flew the cheap seats, and we were jammed in there. It's pretty comfortable. I'm used to flying the cheap seats, but there were some people in there that had nicer seats. But we all flew on one jet. There were hundreds of us on one jet. Now it's it's, it's something that all these people couldn't have like at least flown commercial. I'm sure there's commercial airlines that fly to Switzerland, and. Um, they could have flown there. They, keep it, they could have even flown first class. And that jet was going to fly there anyway, hauling hundreds of people. But no, they had a private jet that just flew maybe themselves and their servants and their assistants and the pilots. 1700 All to spend our money. Do you think they spent their own money? They didn't spend their own money. They spent your and my money. And finally, almost 90% of plastic waste, and in fact, I wrote about this, uh, although I didn't read it in his book, I wrote about this in the Territorial Dispatch. It's in there this week. In fact, it'll be posted on the uh, website at nohostagesradio.com. When we post this up on Saturday, it will also be posted in talking about 90% of plastic waste comes from Asia and Africa. If you listen to the media, you would think that uh, we are the gross plastic polluters in the world, but we aren't. In fact, we, we 
contribute less than 1% of the plastic in the ocean. You know, the, they show you that shot of the turtle with a straw in his nose. And then they say that, in, that we're using 500 million straws a day. I, 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 I never, uh, you know, the kid just made that up. Did you know that? Anyway, you can read my article about it. I don't want to be redundant, but you could check it out if you're interested. I wrote two articles on the lies of the climate people, the scares of the climate people. And I, my argument was that these people are trying to create a socialist country and they're lying about crisis after crisis after crisis. So we'll just get so panicked that we'll just say, take all our money, take my car, take my house and just put me in a, you know, a high rise uh, concrete building so I can finish out my life. And just I, I just can't cope with anything. I know you guys can just uh, we'll just trust you with everything. So that's, uh, go check that book out. Uh, you know, if you don't educate yourself, you're just going to continue to be stupid as you are today. Just hold that thought. So Jerome Hudson, and he writes a lot about how affirmative action has actually, he's a black guy. Did I tell you that? I think I told you that. And he looks like real. he's a lot blacker than Obama. And so maybe he's a real black guy instead of a half and half, right? A, a faker or a poser. He looks like a legit black guy. And so, um, anyway, he says racial and ethnic quotas for post-secondary admissions, post-secondary means college and affirmative action policies more broadly have hurt black and Hispanic college bound Americans more than they have helped them. Jerome Hudson is the entertainment editor for Breitbart News, and he's got this new book out, and he's been getting interviewed all over the place. So he said, subverting meritocracy. Meritocracy means that you get what you earn. You get what you earn, merit, instead of getting it because you got connections or you paid a lot of money or because you're a homosexual or a transsexual or you're some other color other than white. Subverting meritocracy in pursuit of racial and ethnic quotas harms those belonging to groups ostensibly being assisted by the affirmative action policies. That he does research and he writes, puts it all in a book called 50 Things You Don't Want, They Don't Want You to Know. He says in the four decades since colleges and universities have started to include the racial makeup of an applicant, as a marker for admitting them to college, there are actually fewer black and Hispanic students on America's top college campuses today than when affirmative action began. I wonder what, what that's all about. I wonder whether when, when you're Hispanic or black and you know that if you apply and you've been told, hey, if it's all right, don't worry about your grades. If you're black, if you're Hispanic, they're going to let you in anyway. So if you don't work very hard, then you get into those classes that really, some of them are pretty tough. I went to some classes at uh, Cal State University of Sacramento that kicked my rear end. And uh, so if you're not prepared for the classes and they're too hard for you because you're not smart enough, you haven't studied enough, you haven't worked hard enough, then you get you quit anyway, even though you got a free free go to college. You get it? 
Because at some point, if you're getting a D and an F, you're not getting the units anyway. In other words, they're not. I don't know whether they've started to give graduation certificates with no performance, right? So uh, Hudson says, granting advantages to black and Hispanic applicants to college and universities on the basis of race and ethnicity put the uh, these people at increased risk of educational underachievement. Just what I said by if they're not prepared to take a college math class because they didn't work at math in high school, then they're going to get their butts really kicked in college because they ain't going to be tutoring you over there. And he goes in, uh, he, he goes on and on. He said you could go to what he calls tier two or level B colleges or universities that aren't as tough as the higher ones. And you could probably do okay. But he says they put them into these high-ranking colleges, Division One, Level A. Maybe that's Harvard and Yale and Stanford and USC, etc. Hudson says this policy, affirmative action, in no uncertain terms, destroyed people's lives. All because of this ridiculous pursuit by liberals who cooked up the idea that we could just put people on college campus, and they would succeed by osmosis. I'll, I'll add that in. That's not in his original deal. But just like, just because they just get so excited to attend these fancy classes that they'll just be smart all of a sudden. But just like you can't just go to a gym and walk around and get strong, you got to actually get on the weight machines or pump the weights. You can't go to college just be given a free pass, and all of a sudden you become intelligent. You're still as stupid as you were in the ghetto. Hold that thought. So my friend back in high school, I graduated in 1967, and he graduated. He went on to college, did very well. He was a really hardworking guy. He wanted to go to medical school. His The downfall was he was white, and he could not get into any medical school. So he went to Mexico, learned Spanish, became a doctor in Spanish, then came up here, took the, took the tests over again in English, and became an orthopedic surgeon. That's what a white guy had to do, right? You think a black guy would do that? Probably not. Not when they're giving it away free. Affirmative action. Jerome Hudson, check out his book. I think it would be a good one. Very good. Uh, oh, he, here he says, this is pretty cool. Um Hudson says, th this is great. He talks about Planned Parenthood. I'm going to talk about more about Planned Parenthood in, in a minute. Well, let me start, and then we'll, we're coming up to our second break. Says, um, he says what Planned Parenthood does is a woman comes in. She Well, let me skip that part. He says, while black women age 15 to 44 composed between 35 and 4% of America's population in 2015, they accounted for 35% of all abortions in the same year. And he's talking about Margaret Sanger, who founded Planned Parenthood, and she, was a, she believed that blacks and Hispanics and minorities were human weeds, and they were less, and less evolved, and we should eliminate them, just like you would uh, a bad, uh, say if you were raising a root stock of different types of fruit and you had some really strong trees and really weak trees, you'd eliminate the weak trees. You don't want to reproduce off those. So she said, let's, let's abort and stop the birthing of black children. And uh, so 
it's really worked. It's been very successful. She's a wild black woman, age 15 to 44, composed between 35 to 4% of America's population in 2015. They accounted for 35% of all the abortions. That stark number actually aligns with many of the things that Margaret Sanger wrote about, said Mr. Hudson, because she was a eugenist. That means they, they are a racist, like Hitler. Hitler was a eugenist. He said the white people are the ones who want to keep all them other people want to kill. He, the link to, he says, uh, Hudson says, I link to her writings. You can go and see how this woman who went on to found the organization that became Planned Parenthood, in many ways she got her wish and she got her dream to eradicate the black population. In New York City, between 2012 and 2016, more black pregnancies ended in abortion than than a live birth. You have organizations and groups like Black Lives Matter, he said. They're marching up and down in the street and they're arguing about the quote, the value of black life in America. And I asked the question, where is Black Lives Matter on the value of black life in America? Hudson states, it's only us. It's only Breitbart and organizations on the right that are speaking up for the value of black life. I, I'm glad he said that. By the time he says, Hudson says he was crea- he was raised in a middle class home with both parents. He said, but on December morning, on a December morning in 2001, I was looking down the barrel of a shotgun in broad daylight that was being held by a man that I went to middle school with. He said, hey, how come, hey, aren't you Jerry from middle school? It's just like, how come you're going to shoot me? He said, by the time I graduated from high school, Mr. Hudson said, in 2004, half of my graduating class had had come in, uh, I, I came in with, half the graduating class I came in with when I was getting ready to graduate were either in jail, dead, or young women pregnant. Half, 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 50%. And we're certainly not the same course, not on the same course to college that I was. He went ahead and went to college. He says the legacy of Lyndon Johnson, for those who don't know history, he was the president right after uh, he was the vice president when John F. Kennedy was assassinated. He became president and he came up with this brilliant idea called the Great Society, where they said we can eliminate poverty by just giving away money. Isn't that what a wonderful idea? You don't have money. Don't worry about working. We're just going to give you some money and we'll give you some money every single month until you decide you want to go earn money. But if you don't want to go earn money, we'll just give you some money and that will eliminate poverty. It has totally destroyed people's lives. So when you have a same way, oh, you don't you don't uh, qualify to go into college because you didn't ever work at it. You've been smoking weed, drinking alcohol, skipping class. We'll just give you a spot in college and just see if it'll catch like catch a cold or catch a case. Uh, All right, I'll come back and talk more about Hudson. He's got a lot to say here and it's pretty good stuff. So we'll be right back. I'm going to play you a clip here. Uh about police officers hold that thought my favorite topic please i was standing at the side of the road the rain falling on my shoe heading up the east coast i know i pay some dues getting through tangled up in blue 
President Obama is sending 1,200 National Guard troops to boost security along the U.S.-Mexican border. In addition to the troops, the president is also requesting $500 million for border security. We simply cannot allow people to pour into the United States undetected, undocumented, unchecked, and circumventing the line of people who are waiting patiently, diligently, and lawfully uh, to become immigrants in this country. Our message absolutely is don't send your children unaccompanied uh, on trains or through, uh, through a bunch of smugglers. We don't even know how many of these kids don't make it and may have been waylaid into sex trafficking or killed because they fell off a train. We have no way of tracking that. Our administration has moved aggressively to secure our borders more by hiring a record number of new border guards, by deporting twice as many criminal aliens as ever before. We need to try to incentivize Mexico to do more. We are also a nation of laws. It is wrong and ultimately self-defeating for a nation of immigrants to permit the kind of abuse of our immigration laws we have seen in recent years. If they've committed transgressions of whatever kind, they should be obviously deported. We will try to do more to speed the deportation of illegal aliens who are arrested for crime. Illegal immigration is wrong, plain and simple. Until the American people are convinced that we will stop future flows of illegal immigration, we will make no progress on dealing with the millions of illegal immigrants who are here now and on rationalizing our system of legal immigration. When we use phrases like undocumented workers, we convey a message to the American people that their government is not serious about combating illegal immigration. Policemen. A policeman is a composite of what all men are, I guess, a mingling of saint and sinner, dust and deity. Called statistics, wave the fan over stinkers, underscore instances of dishonesty and brutality because they are news. What that really means is that they are exceptional, they are unusual, they are not commonplace. Buried under the froth is the fact. And the fact is that less than one half of one percent of policemen misfit that uniform. And that is a better average than you'd find among clergymen. What is a policeman? He of all men is at once the most needed and the most wanted. A strangely nameless creature who is sir to his face and pig or worse behind his back. He must be such a diplomat that he can settle differences between individuals so that each will think he won, but if a policeman is neat, he's conceited. If he's careless, he's a bum. If he's pleasant, he's a flirt. If he's not, he's a grouch. He must make instant decisions which would require months for a lawyer, but if he hurries, he's careless. If he's deliberate, he's lazy. 
He must be first to an accident, infallible with a diagnosis. He must be able to start breathing, stop bleeding, tie splints, and above all, be sure the victim goes home without a limp or expect to be sued. The police officer must know every gun, draw on the run, and hit where it doesn't hurt. He must be able to whip two men twice his size and half his age without damaging his uniform and without being brutal. If you hit him, he's a coward. If he hits you, he's a bully. A policeman must know everything and not tell. He must know where all of the sin is and not partake. The policeman from a single human hair must be able to describe the crime, the weapon, the criminal, and tell you where the criminal is hiding. But if he catches the criminal, he's lucky. If he doesn't, he's a dunce. If he gets promoted, he has political pull. If he doesn't, he's a dullard. The policeman must chase bum leads to a dead end, stake out ten nights to tag one witness who saw it happen but refuses to remember. He runs files and writes reports until his eyes ache to build a case against some felon who will get dealed out by a shameless Seamus or an honorable who isn't honorable. The policeman must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And, of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. I hope you enjoyed that Paul Harvey. Uh, the only thing I would say that probably could use an update on the Paul Harvey clip is the pay of police officers is much better today, thank God, than when Paul Harvey uh, spoke that. But nonetheless, I love that clip. So I want to go back to Hudson, Jerome Hudson with Breitbart. He says one of the more searing points is that poverty, the poverty line in America has been decreasing, had been decreasing, going down. For 20 years prior to President Lyndon Johnson in the 1960s launching his War on Poverty. And if you have the book, you can see the chart of poverty. In other words, his book. Uh, poverty was taking a nosedive coming in the 1960s. But he said, leave it to Democrats to create a crisis where there is actually no crisis of poverty in America. And in fact, something amazing happens, particularly with black people between 1910 and 1955. Check this out. Most of you are, are stupid out there because you never were taught history or you, it wasn't interesting. You were bored to death and they don't really teach you sociology type history. They teach you, you know, this, this, uh, this war was in this, this country in this date, this war was in this state, this war was in this state. It just like drives you up the wall. You better be easier to go out and just take LSD and be done with it. So Hudson says uh, more blacks it, between 1910 and 1955, more blacks were married and having kids than whites for about four or five decades. I want you to think about that. Blacks had whole families, mom and dad in the home with children, 
more a higher percentage than whites in four or five decades coming into 1955. He says, I'm not the first person to argue that welfare has basically replaced the father in the black home. Now we have a, a better father, according to Democrats, and that's the government. He says, I'm writing about the failure of the welfare state and how at this point we spent over $22 trillion to lift people out of poverty, and it's been a total disaster. Poverty is, is greater and it's because the government is involved in trying to do social engineering and fussing with the family and giving stuff away for free. And many churches are doing the same exact thing and thinking they're following Jesus' admonition. He says, I really wanted to make the point that many people, good conservatives even, argue that this is an economic issue. He said it's not an economic issue. This is a cultural problem. When you're talking about the violence, when you're talking about shoddy school systems, when we're talking about poverty, we're not talking about economic poverty. When we're not when we're talking about homelessness, we're not talking about money. We're talking about drug addicts, screwed up values, people getting something for free. He says, I did not want to celebrate the fact that just 30 years after the Civil War, literacy literacy rates. Uh, he, he, sorry. He, he said, I wanted to celebrate in my book the fact that 30 years after the Civil War, Civil War was fought, fought over slavery, right? That was one of the issues. And you would think, okay, people are slaves. They were deprived of schools, black people, right? They were deprived of lots of stuff, right? But look what happens. Just 30 years after the Civil War, literacy rates went from 20% to 70% among African Americans, just 30 years. He said, I wanted to celebrate the fact that 50 years before, before the civil rights movement began, all the way back as to two, 1903, blacks were graduating from schools like Dunbar High School in, in Washington, D.C., which is a, a good school, I guess, and going on to graduate from Harvard and other av Ivy League schools in the early 1900s, before us the civil rights movement before affirmative action before the war on, war on poverty why now right now every everything that happens now it's racism right but you would think that racism would have been at its highest during slavery and right after slavery when people that wanted slavery were deprived of it whites wanted slavery certain whites and were deprived of it and so they were thinking hey these people are not on the same level as us right they believe charles darwin who was in the mid 1800s these people are less evolved they'll never amount to anything i don't even think we should waste time teaching them to read that was the attitude of some people but the literacy rate boomed and they were graduating from high school, not only graduating from good high schools, they were going on to the top colleges that were very hard to get in. No affirmative action. Hudson said, I wanted to make it clear that at a time when Democrats were hanging, being hanged and being beaten and their businesses were being burned. Black people in this country strived and to think that racism is now the one-size-fits-all excuse and answer for the supposed racial cloud that hangs over America and stifles black success, it's baloney. It's nonsense. It's ridiculous, he says. 
black people, and same thing, Walter Williams, who's the uh, professor emeritus of economics at George Mason University, he said one of the greatest phenomenons is the success of the black population in Western society. Not in Africa, in Western society. Since, since uh, slave trade was ended and then slavery was ended, uh, the, 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 there's billionaires, black billionaires, black millionaires, black co- congressmen, black senators. It's just an amazing thing. But we just believe. So you need to get this book. I think everybody should read his book, 50 Things They Don't Want You to Know. Who are they? That's the liberal people in this country that want to, that they want to control your every, every move. They want to charge you for every move you make and control every move you make. When they can take away stuff and give it to you, like welfare and guns and rights, if, they, if you believe that your rights come from government, they can take them away. If you believe your rights come from God, like the founders said, Government cannot take them away. You can shoot the government. By the way, all these Democrats talking about shooting the president, why don't we begin to talk about shooting some of the Democrats? Like Congresswoman Waters, Maxine Waters. Why didn't somebody like say, I'm going to shoot you? Or Pelosi, I'm going to shoot you. Or Schiff, Adam Schiff, I'm going to shoot you. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to I'm going to uh, run you over. I'm going to poison you. All this talk they show uh cutting the th- the president photos of cutting the president's throat and cutting a doll head off that looks like the president bloody doll head. Maybe the maybe us conservatives are we we need to learn something from these folks and begin to threaten some of them. And maybe they wouldn't be so hot to take our guns away if they figured they needed to protect themselves because these Republicans are going to get out of hand and come and put masks off and beat the tar out of them with bats. Right? If they have the wrong cap on in a McDonald's, we just beat them over the head. Right? Pour, and pour their soda over them. Just something to think about. Well, we're uh, we're... We're moving to the halfway point of the day, but we got about 10 or 11 minutes left. Most, you know, the big thing nowadays is fake media, right? We once thought that the, the media was actually informing us of what's going on in the world around us. But it's gone beyond that where it's just propaganda. In other words, they're, they're not informing us about facts and incidents. They're, they're telling us what we need to believe about it, Right. But as, as Jerome Hudson said, we are being fed information to change the way we think about life and why life is the way it is. Like, how come there's so many blacks doing stupid stuff, like shooting one another? How many, you know, how come there's so many blacks killing their own babies? How many, there's so many blacks on welfare, right? There's more whites on welfare, but percentage of the population wise compared to compared to apples to apples blacks have a high percentage of people on welfare why is that well they you know the the way the democrats want to portray it is the republicans are racist even though the democrats were did their very best to keep slavery and just hung as many black people shot as many black people 
and tried to keep them away from the polls. But uh, but black guys now that claim they're really, really, really black all the way through, like Eric Holder and Obama, they're just black, black, black all the way through. They believe black. They believe the right things. They actually are the racists, and they are acting like white Ku Klux Klan members from the nineteen, the early 1900s and, and the late 1800s. Ku Klux Klan. They're like the people that want to hang people, shoot people, and shut people up. So you, we, there's a lot. It just most it's hard for me to even find facts anymore unless you really dig for them. You're not going to hear them over the television or a lot of the Internet broadcasts that are liberal. So the big push now is taking our guns away, right? We're going to we're going to confiscate the guns. Now, they say, you know, when you say we need to people that are here illegally, we need to remove the Democrats said it's impossible. You know, there's only 20 million. Maybe there's 20 million people that are here illegally. Say, oh, it's impossible to do that. We couldn't go door to door. But they, they, they say, oh, we, we're going to go confiscate all the guns. 100, 200 million guns. We're going to go confiscate them. We can do that. They can do that, but they can't get the people. They can't get illegal immigrants out, but they can come and get all our guns. It's just an amazing thing. They just say stuff. It just doesn't have to be true, real factual it didn't have to be anything so even though i don't trust the fbi anymore i think they're liars uh basically the fbi federal bureau of investigation who i i had i kept on a pedestal in my mind i thought they were amazing i thought they were honest they were patriots in fact i had an fbi worker in my trauma intervention program here in yuba sutter counties for a few years she's wonderful wonderful person very honest, good-hearted patriot. But I have changed my view of the FBI. I think many of them are corrupt. Uh, they, they say, oh, well, we would never let our politics influence enforcing the law. That is a piece of crap right there. The FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, and people from the Central Intelligence Agency gave it their best shot to overthrow this government. They lied repeatedly. They twisted the truth repeatedly. They changed the story repeatedly, whether it was Mueller, Comey, Strzok, McCabe, Page, on and on and on. You think, well, they say, well, just a few. There were a few bad eggs at the top. That is a piece of crap. That is totally ridiculous. There was all kinds. They had 100 agents investigating a candidate for the president of the United States called Trump. It's just, it's a total, you need to read, look up, uh, oh, I can't even remember her name now. She just wrote an article. Uh, I'll think of it before I get over here. I just read her article. It's a great article on the criminality of the FBI. How can you even believe in these people anymore? That Christopher Ray, who's the new guy, I don't know that that guy is 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 uh, honest either. Christopher Ray, he's the new chief of the FBI. Uh, Ann Coulter, Ann Coulter just wrote an article this last week that says the president asks a lot of questions. You got to read that article. 
it, it, it is very interesting on how the FBI lied, 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 lied. Do you remember I was talking to somebody the other day about the number of prosecuting attorneys in this country that lie? They fabricate the truth. Uh, they they produce evidence that's not evidence. But you remember that Nifong or Nisong, who was the who was the uh, he prosecuted the lacrosse uh, team members for assault on a stripper, right? Sexual assault on a stripper. Totally fabricated. He fabricated the evidence. He lied. The woman never was assaulted, and he just made up stuff. And finally. Uh, justice prevailed in that case. He lost his license, but the kids lost their college career. The coach got fired. The Senate, the academic Senate of Duke University, tried and found all those guys guilty without even going to a jury trial. They just decided they were all guilty. It's unbelievable what's going on in this country, people. It's it's gone crazy. Now, I'm going to give you some FBI statistics that are fascinating. Because they want to take your guns. Why? Because they're giving you the perspective that guns are just killing people left and right. Now, I think they should be killing more people. They should be killing some of these people that are liars and uh, trying to overthrow the government. I think when are we going to punish people for trying to pull off a coup? In other countries that I frequent, they just take them out back and shoot them. Like this mayor in China, I'm going to hopefully get to him. They will kill him. They will put him up against the wall and shoot the dude. Uh, I think they Pelosi and uh, Boxer and Waters and Schiff and Schumer, all these liars, de, Blasi, de Blasio, I think they'll just take them out and shoot them. They're liars. They're criminals. They're stealing from us. How, how does a person go to Congress and they're making $50,000 a year and they come out and they get, they're worth a few hundred thousand dollars, a few hundred million dollars? How, how does that happen? How did the Clintons make all this money? Anyway, FBI crime stats for 2018 show that more than twice as many people were beaten to death with fists and feet than were killed with rifles of any kind. The crime stats show that there were 297 homicides by rifles in 2018. That's in a a country with 300, what do we got, 325 million people? 297 homicides occurred with a rifle compared to 672 deaths from fist, feet, and other personal weapons like a baseball bat or maybe they got stabbed, right? So it goes on to say 403 homicides occurred with rifles in 2017, the year before, and 692 deaths by fist, feet, etc. Um, in fact, it says the 692 people killed by fists, feet, etc. in 2017 were more than the number of homicides by rifles and shotguns combined. Now, I don't know, though, so those are homicides. Suicides would be another factor. Ironically, it says the gap between rifle-related homicides and murder by fists, feet, etc. would be even higher if the latter, fists, feet, etc., were only compared to semi-automatic rifle deaths, as it stands, the category of rifle, etc. Anyway, I won't go into more weeds on that, but, but let me give you another one. This is another article out of Breitbart. More people killed with hammers and clubs than rifles. 2018 statistics from the FBI. They keep all these cool statistics over at the FBI. 
Okay, 443 people were killed with hammers, clubs, and other blunt objects, while 297 people were killed with rifles of every kind. Okay? The National Shooting Sports Foundation calculates there are 16 million-plus private-owned AR-15s. Just AR-15s. I don't own one, but I own some other guns. 16 million-plus private-owned AR-15s in the U.S. Yet... The FBI stats show more people were beaten to death with hammers and clubs than were killed with rifles of any kind. So I I now understand more clearly why Muslim countries cut the hands off of people. You always think of thievery, but maybe they cut the hands off because they beat somebody to death with their fist. One night we were uh, we had our tip. We had a, just finished a tip training, and so we set up ride-alongs. Uh, for our tip people to ride with law enforcement. And one of our ladies, she's a wonderful person. She was riding with a Yuba County Sheriff's deputy, and they went out to Oliverst, and a guy, two guys had fought out in this field in Oliverst. And when they got there, the guy that got hit, he was dead. The guy got hit with a fist and died. In fact, I just saw on the news here the other day where a, a high school or elementary school kid got hit in the face, and it killed him. It happens sometimes. So anyway, they went over there and the guy got killed with a fist. Now, maybe the Saudi Arabians or some of these Muslims chop off people's hands because they sock somebody with their fist and killed them. So why we're not talking about and it doesn't even define knives here, right? So we still, I guess, we so far haven't decided to eliminate knives yet. But the whole thing with guns is so fraudulent, such a total lie. The story is totally fabricated, and yet people are getting caught up in it. Even Republicans, the, the term Republican just makes me sick anymore. But many of those people are so stupid and, and don't know any of the facts and don't have any spine to stand up for what's right anyway. So we're going to uh, take a break here. Let's see. Uh, this is cool. You've heard about the polar bear, like the polar bears are all dying. So this is a doctor. This is a doctor, right? She's a uh, climatologist, environmentalist. I don't know what her field totally is, but she knows what she's talking about. She says the white lie, the cruel abuse of a starving polar bear. In other words, this this guy took a, a video. He saw he was up there studying. He's a he's he's a uh, a climate alarmist, and he wanted to try to show a uh, he wanted to create a visual thing to scare the hell out of you. So he found a. Do you do you think that polar bears are eternal? No, every polar bear dies at some point of old age, just like I'm going to. And so, just because a polar bear dies doesn't mean anybody did it. They maybe he would just got disease maybe he got cancer so anyway this guy fallaciously created a video and it went viral claiming this polar bear was dying because of climate crisis and so this gal who's smarter than the photographer susan crockford white lie the cruel abuse of a starving polar bear check this out we'll be right back and we're just going to keep trucking here all right. Tell me what we gonna do now. Oh, right now. 
gut-wrenching video of an emaciated polar bear struggling to drag himself across a snowless Canadian landscape broke the hearts of billions of people. That was its intent. The video was filmed in August of 2017 by biologist Paul Nickland, a co-founder of the Canadian nonprofit organization Sea Legacy. Nicklin published the video on an Instagram post in early December 2017, in which he discussed the urgency of climate change. Two days later, Sea Legacy's media and communications partner, National Geographic, published the video with subtitles stating, This is what climate change looks like. The Sea Legacy webpage also published the video, claiming this is the face of climate change. Scientists have been warning us about climate change for years. Uh, and the world certainly took notice a couple of weeks ago when a video of a starving, disoriented polar bear made its way around the planet on social media. The National Geographic video went viral, attracting 2.5 billion views. The story was picked up by news media all over the world, most of which blamed climate change for the bear's pitiful condition. Many viewers were furious that an obviously sick animal had been used to advance a political agenda. Climate change was not the cause of this bear's poor condition. Local sea ice had not retreated exceptionally early that year, and no other starving bears were seen. And it is not unusual for polar bears in the region to come ashore at that time of year. Other viewers were angry that nothing had been done to help the bear. Nicklin insisted he could not have saved it. He pointed out it would have been illegal to feed the bear and claimed there was nothing his crew could have done to ease its suffering. But that wasn't quite true. Nicklin could have contacted conservation authorities who would have euthanized and autopsied the bear to find out the cause of its distressing condition, most likely a form of cancer that causes muscle wasting. However, an autopsy might have deprived Nicklin of the dramatic images he wanted to use to promote political action on climate change. So he and his crew simply let the bear swim away without telling anyone. That decision not only extended the animal's suffering, it also put other people in the area at risk of being attacked by the desperate bear. Then, in late July this year, some new facts about the incident were revealed. National Geographic published an essay written by Sea Legacy co-founder Christina Mittermeier. In it, Mittermeier admitted Nicklin was scouting for an image that could be used to communicate the urgency of climate change when he spotted the emaciated bear. She confessed that she and Nicklin knew the bear was probably sick or injured before they started to film. She also revealed that several days passed between Nicklin's first sight of the starving bear and the actual filming of it. He had let the bear suffer while he waited for his cameras and a crew of experienced storytellers to arrive. Mittermeier blames the addition of subtitles to the National Geographic video for the negative reactions it received and says the public should not have taken the video literally. But there is almost no meaningful difference between National Geographic's and Sea Legacy's statements. Both versions of the video presented a very blunt and simple message asking the viewer to blame climate change for the bear's suffering. National Geographic have apologized, admitting that they had gone too far to link climate change and the bear's condition. They may hope Mittermeier's essay and their apology will end the criticism over the video. But Mittermeier has learned little and says, given similar circumstances, she would do it again. 
This and the new details of their actions make Sea Legacy founders harder to forgive, not easier. The activists and the magazine claim they want to help protect polar bears and to raise awareness of climate change. But in doing so, they deceived everyone and allowed an innocent animal to suffer a drawn-out, painful death. to go over this thing we have become so used to killing babies in this country um that uh it's just no big deal anymore uh we are much more concerned about a puppy getting run over in the roadway than we are a baby getting killed they don't uh we've just become totally desensitized desensitized to it and some of the greatest advocates for saving babies are those that have been in the business of killing babies. And finally, they became sick of it. They became sick of their stomach. You know, the Bible says that we can, our conscience can be seared. uh, Our conscience can be dulled. And we could pretty soon, just like the Nazis killed millions of people. And they, they said, well, we were just doing our job. They didn't have any personal grief or, or ill our ilk in our body like oh i can't believe i did that we hung that person we stabbed him to death right no remorse so ramona trevino i love this gal i've just read about her trevino said she initially justified her job at planned parenthood she'd been uh had a rough start in light I, th- I think she'd been assaulted or raped she ended up working for planned parenthood that thought she was doing women a favor but she eventually quit when it became apparent that her employer was hurting women more than helping them she said i knew i was doing what i was doing was wrong she said i i she was giving an interview i was still involved in a she called it a demonic organization most christians are so clueless such idiots most christians i know that they can't even call an organization demonic because they don't even know what a demon is they've been reading the bible and skipping parts for years they treat it like a buffet and uh, they are totally clueless. That they aren't a factor in the war on evil because uh, they got their head in the sand or up their butt. He says, "I was." Stu-, she said, "I was so. I was still involved in a demonic organization." She said, "There's no other word you can use for what what's taking place there. You have an organization that is murdering baby after baby after baby after baby, millions of babies a year." And you think, well, I, th- I think they should stop it. Well, I don't think we should be funding it. We should be bombing the clinics. 
If we were really serious that somebody was being killed, you know, there's good Samaritan laws where if you're walking down the street and you hear a woman screaming inside a house, he's killing me, he's killing me, you could you could bust the door down and go in and save her. Did you know that? Then what about all the babies being killed? Well, because it's it's legal. We we have our people of the law. We have to obey the law. This lady who became the leader of a clinic, she said she was pregnant at 16. She dropped out of high school, entered into abusive marriage, which ended in divorce. She wanted to make a difference. Da, 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 da. She was involved. She ran a, a, a clinic. These people who run clinic are amazing. I was forced and challenged to look at my own beliefs and actions. She said I couldn't continue to be indifferent. How many Christians... In fact, I think the life chain is just coming this Sunday. How many Christians, there'll be so few people standing on the street. We got tens of thousands of Christians and they don't amount to a hill of beans. They don't affect, they don't, they don't change the way the culture, culture thinks. They don't, they don't lift the level of righteousness in the country. They are, they are, the Bible says if you've lost your, the salt has lost its savor. It just should be thrown out. It's, it's worthless. Most Christians are worthless. They should we should be we should be carrying the message at every level of this society, but we act no different than the average person. She says I was forced and challenged to look at my own beliefs and actions. I couldn't continue to be indifferent. This was a demonic organization. Most Christians some churches are demonic. They are just, they're just no different than the women's club. In fact, some of the clubs in town that have nothing to do with Jesus are more righteous and got more conviction and got more belief than the average church because they won't even stand up for, well, I don't want to offend, I don't want to offend anybody. I, what if I hurt somebody's feelings? Well, I don't want to embarrass anybody about abortion. Trevino told the foundation that she was taking interview that she felt troubled or the Planned Parenthood Foundation. She felt troubled by the number of appointments they scheduled with girls as young as 12 for contraception and abortion referrals. She said they also saw a lot of young women who had STDs and multiple sex partners. It became apparent to her that Planned Parenthood was focused on the numbers, not its patients' well-being have you ever, when's the last time you heard of Pat McGrath from Yuba County or a Carl Adams from Sutter County or the new attorneys they got running those places ever prosecute an adult man taking an underage girl into Planned Parenthood for STD treatment, et cetera, et cetera. It's never happened in this area as far as I'm concerned. Why? Because they don't give a crap about it. They don't do a sting. They could do a sting over there and run those people out of town. No, they're not going to do it because abortion is sacred in our country. Killing children. You think, oh, my God, I read the Bible for the first time. And did you know they sacrificed their children on the fire and chopped their head off? Oh, my God, they were such so barbaric. Are you kidding me? Nothing in that. Listen, you go read the Old Testament. There is not anything in that Old Testament that is as barbaric as current life in the U.S. of A. And we are funding it and we aren't doing anything about it. And the churches are totally impotent in having any religious influence on this country at this point. 
She says, Trevino says, these patients, they, they don't care about patients' well-being. They focus on numbers and money. They are, these patients are being groomed as future abortion parents, patients because Planned Parenthood promotes a promiscuous lifestyle. We're not discouraging them from having sex at a young age. We, we have monthly quotas to meet. They're just a number to us. She also said she witnessed Medicaid fraud, something other former Planned Parenthood employees also have claimed. I started to connect the dots and realize that it all goes together. Our government should never be involved in all this stuff. Why? Because they're just getting ripped off. You got two point something, what I say, billion in food stamps over two years going to dead people. You got Planned Parenthood just totally ripping off the government at every turn. Earlier this year, so anyway, this Trevino, who quit Planned Parenthood, she began speaking out about her experiences and became involved in 40 Days for Life, which just is starting here in the Yuba Sutter area. She also wrote a book called Redeemed by Grace. Earlier this year, she helped to expose another one of the abortion chain's lies. Trevino said Planned Parenthood did not fulfill its promises to train staff to identify and help sexual abuse victims after its employees were caught willingly uh, helping sex traffickers cover up abuses. Do you remember that when Operation Veritas uh, and those people, uh, life decisions, and those people uh, caught these people on film and they were assisting tra uh, sex traffickers uh, getting treatment for their uh, hostages? Remember that? Uh Trevino says real, the real love that pro-life advocates displayed helped her to leave her job and embrace the pro-life message. She said her desire to help workers leave the abortion industry and help women um, who have had abortions. She wants to help them heal. Anyway, uh, that is, uh, what's her name? Ramona. I was going to call her Yolanda. Ramona Trevino. And uh, she is now having an influence, wrote a book. And but she again, she tells the whores of Planned Parenthood. So the, I think this sat, this Sunday from two to three thirty, there's op, the life chain. If you don't know how to get involved or you need to sign, just call Church of Glad Tidings. I can't speak for the other churches. Most of them are a waste of time. They won't show up the life chain. They don't won't do Jack Diddley. They won't help a woman stop having an abortion. They won't take a woman in that that just had a baby. They're just sucking up assets and taking up property and, and getting out of paying taxes. That's what they're doing. So uh, this October 6th, 2 to 3.30, if you want to stand up for an hour and a half with a small sign, says abortion kills children or something like that, uh, Glad Tidings will help straighten you out. Church of Glad Tidings, you can call them at 530-671-3160. 530-671-3160. Call Tuesday through Friday are the best days. So I want to mention uh, uh, a couple of our, or at least one or two of our sponsors that make this broadcast possible each week. And, uh, you know, we, <clears throat> we're kind of new to this podcast thing. We're just in our 26th session. And so while I was on the AM FM live radio talk show on Saturdays, um, these, some of these folks also, well, all of these folks I'm going to mention over the 
course of the show helped me there as well. And then when we started doing this, they said, Hey Lou, we want to help and, and, uh, keep doing it. Just go on, do a podcast, you know, and do live radio. So elite universal security, uh, said, we will help you and we will help make this possible. And that's Monty Hecker and, uh, they're here in Yuba County, but they, if you want a job or you want your property secured, they are operating all up and down Northern California, all the way up into the Southern Oregon, all the way down into the Sacramento area. That's that's a huge geographic area. Elite Universal Security, the located the headquarters are here in Yuba County at 5548 Feather River Boulevard. I want you to mint, hold that thought because I'm going to tell you something that you might want to go there for, 5548 Feather River Boulevard. And... Uh, it's out in what what I'd call West Linda, but they now the post postal code is Oliverst. But just call them up at five three zero seven four nine zero two eight zero if you want a job or you want to figure out how to get some help from them. And maybe your property's getting ripped off, vandalized, people are breaking into your building, whatever it is, you're trying to solve a problem, people are squatting on your property. Monty Hecker and Mike Hahn over there will help you. Uh, but I want to also mention something related to this is Monty is politically active. He's he's former military, he's conservative, and he is uh, he has petitions to recall Governor Gavin Newsom. So you can go to his location at 5548 Feather Boulevard. You can sign up there. You can also register to vote there so you can be a legitimate signer. And you can get petitions there and signs there to go to your neighborhood and sign up your neighbors. Listen, if you think that somebody's going to get recalled because you have good thoughts or you're going to send them good thoughts, forget about it. You need to get some people signed up. Uh, I got, you know, I got a sign up going at Glad Tidings. We're going to get a few hundred signatures out there. I know some churches uh, uh, are going to. Uh, just blow that off and not do anything about it and just complain about the government. But uh, anyway, you can get petitions. There's just three signatures per petition per petition. Uh, you can uh, you can work at this. You can set up a, a you know, you just go up and down your block, call your friends, call 10 friends, call 15 friends. And, and uh, you can send the petitions in yourself. It's very simple. But Elite Universal Security, they'll help you. They also have schooling. If you want, you think, man, I need a job, but I don't know the first thing about that, they will train you. They have classes uh, ongoing, and you could go to api-academy.com, api-academy.com to find out when their classes are, the different classes they offer. A lot of these classes will dovetail right in if you want to go into law enforcement later on. Also, they will help you with your concealed weapon permit. Maybe you think, you know something, I need to, you know, if the police aren't going to enforce the laws on homelessness and, and nut cases, mental health issues, tweakers running all up and down the street naked and freaking out and going in the backyard and taking the dump, uh, maybe I better get me an AR-15, right? And and so you need to take a, uh, you might want to get a concealed weapons permit. If you want to pack a little gun around with you and have it concealed. Uh, otherwise, even if you don't want that and you want some range time, you want to get some experience, these guys can help you. So you can uh, check in with them, give them a call, find out the dates for October. I don't have the dates yet for October, but they'll have a date a weekend or two where they'll do the classroom training and range time. 749 
dial them up and they will hook you up. And uh, I also want to mention my friend Dave Greenitz. Uh, Dave Greenitz makes some of the nicest, uh, does some of the nicest remodels on kitchens and baths I've ever seen. I mean, I, I'm getting stuff from Pinterest and all these people saying, oh, look at this new design. Check this out. Isn't this beautiful? Yeah, I see a lot of beautiful stuff. But I'm telling you, um, if you're in the Yuba Sutter area and you're thinking about remodeling your kitchen or bath or maybe your front front entrance is a little funky, you want to do an upgrade or somebody just told me they added a deck on how wonderful it was. They built a deck. In fact, I was staying with some people up in, uh, I did a tip training up in uh, Asheville, North Carolina, and they built this beautiful house. They're out of San Diego. There are four families, their whole extended family moved from San Diego, moved to Asheville, North Carolina. All the kids, all their families, and the mom and dad, and I was staying with the mom and dad, and they had built their own deck. They they, they built a beautiful house. And uh, they were telling how cheap it was to live in North Carolina. Their water, my water bill, they had a huge lot. They must have had an acre and a half. They water the grass, mow the grass, big old wide lots. And uh, their their water bill was $30. I think my my water bill in Marysville was over $100. I'm on a postage stamp. I mean, I mean, I could pass out and fall into my neighbor's yard. It's so small over here. Uh, but... Anyway, uh, Dave Greenish Construction can help you. Anyway, I went up to, there to their, their house in Asheville. I'm just going to tell you that how beautiful they built this house. And they built their own deck. Greenish Construction can do your deck for you here. And uh, honestly, it's just a beautiful thing. And I would suggest building a deck or putting in a whole house fan, even though it's starting to cool off, because uh, the PG&E bills are going to be fantastic here because they're going to eliminate the use of fossil fuels. They're going to eliminate the use of hydro uh, power. They're going to use uh, fossil fossil fuel power is going down the tubes. Uh, Hydropower is going down the tubes. We've eliminated both our big nuclear power plants, San Onofre and also Diablo Canyon. We're screwed. We're going to trust bird blenders and here's what we're going to do there's no way that solar power and bird blenders are going to power the state of california so what they're going to do is buy power from other states that are using fossil fuels and hydroelectric and nuclear we're going to buy it from other places and 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 pull it in by the lines and we're going to pay extremely high costs for that so right now we're paying over 60 percent higher uh, for uh, utilities for PG&E, Pacific Gas and Electric. That's what we have up in the North State. And I just found out, I was just talking, uh, texting with a guy um, that used to live in Marysville. He moved to Idaho, and he told me that the, the gas over there in Idaho, let me see if I can find it here. He said, Lou, it's his birthday today, so I was wishing him a happy birthday. And he said, he just bought gas in Twin Falls, Idaho at $2.61. And I told him, I think it's almost $4 here in the Yuba Center area. It's getting close. So we're paying a dollar and a half more a gallon up here in the North State for gasoline. It's just everything. What we have is uh, we still have the appearance of wealth, right? Because a lot of people have a lot of wealth stored up. But the fact is that... Uh, when you have gas, it's $1.60 more expensive. When you're paying 60 70% higher 
uh, utility costs for natural gas, for heating, and for electric. And and the things that you buy when you have you uh, your DMV fees costing you know three or four hundred percent higher, what you're going to lose is all your young people because they don't have any stash of money. They're living hand to mouth, starting out. Maybe they just went to a tech school, a college. They got out of the military, or they came out of high school. They're working their fingers to the bone trying to get a rental, and they can't afford to stay here, so they're moving, and they're moving by the droves. In fact, Asheville. Uh, where I just came from, North Carolina, is one of the fastest-growing areas in the United States. And I noticed that uh, that North Carolina is one of the more tax-friendly states in the United States. And I if I don't know whether I have time to get to that. But uh, anyway, I was talking about Dave Greenwich. I don't want to get too far astray, but it, it all relates to, you know, if you're my age— you're probably just going to stay here because you don't have many years left and you've got your house paid for, you get everything's paid for, and you can dial down your costs. So if you want to really get a great remodel on a uh, on your house, put in a whole house fan, put on a deck, put on a front door, uh, go to 530-682-9602, 530-682-9602, or... If you if you're too intimidated, like a lot of the young people are, because they're always on technology and they don't know how to actually have a conversation, you can go to Greenitz G R E E N E T Z Green with E T Z on the end GreenitzConstruction.com, and you can check out the work. Right, you can actually go to the place by photos, and then if you want to shoot an email, you can shoot an email right off there, and you can inquire about any of the various types of work they do. Or you could go to Dave Greenitz Construction Facebook site and you can get the same type of information. And then you can, uh, when you get the courage up to have a conversation, then you could hook them up. One thing about all the people, I'm whether it's Monty Hecker with Elite Security or uh, Greenitz, Dave Greenitz or Ted Holmes with Plumbing Doctor, when you call, they answer. And when they say they're going to be there, they come. And when they say they're going to finish, they finish. And when they bill you they bill you for the right amount for what you agreed to so they're good people they're honest people they're veterans or christian uh i know that uh they're just good good folks so anyway I'm, I'm gonna leave that up to you i'm gonna take a break here let's see what we're gonna do here um oh this is cool this is cool i'm gonna play a, a some testimony before congress of this young woman talking about guns my favorite topic all right, be right back. Make somebody happy. Make somebody strong. Make somebody happy. Make somebody strong. Make somebody happy. Ranking Member Collins and distinguished members of Congress. My name is Amy Swearer and I am the Senior Legal Policy Analyst at the Heritage Foundation's Ed Meese Center for Legal and Judicial Studies. Just as doctors can only recommend an effective treatment plan if they first form a correct diagnosis based on accurate assessment of the symptoms, policy analysts and policy makers must have an accurate understanding of the societal problems they are seeking to combat. 
Unfortunately, too many policymakers appear completely uninformed about basic factual realities related to guns and gun violence. Don't misunderstand me. We all want safer communities. But the characteristics distinguishing so-called assault weapons from non-assault weapons are not factors like caliber, lethality, or rate of fire. Proposals to ban scary-looking features like barrel shrouds or pistol grips are, for all intents and purposes, proposals to force law-abiding citizens to own guns that are harder for them to handle, harder to fire accurately, and more likely to cause them injuries even when they are being used for lawful purposes. Moreover, semi-automatic rifles are not a meaningful driving factor behind rates of gun violence. Two-thirds of gun deaths in this country are suicides, where the type of firearm is essentially irrelevant. With respect to gun crimes, over 90% are committed with handguns. Rifles of any kind are definitively used in only 3 to 4% of gun homicides every year, and an American citizen is four times as likely to be stabbed to death than they are to be shot to death with a rifle of any kind. Despite frequent claims that semi-automatic rifles are the weapon of choice for mass public shooters, in the last decade, over half of these shootings have been carried out with handguns alone. On the other hand, semi-automatic rifles like the AR-15 are so well suited for defensive action against threats in a civilian context that the Department of Homeland Security quite literally designates them as personal defense weapons for law enforcement officers. It is little wonder, then, that millions of law-abiding citizens in this country also choose these types of semi-automatic rifles as their own personal defense weapons. Far from needing to be protected from these rifles, law-abiding Americans benefit when they are allowed to defend themselves with them, particularly in situations where they are outnumbered. Just last week, a homeowner in Rockdale County, Georgia, relied on his scary-looking semi-automatic assault weapon to defend himself against three masked teens armed with at least one handgun who tried to rob him and other residents in their own front yard. Ironically, the rifle deemed an assault weapon by many in this room was used defensively to protect innocent people against assault, while the perpetrators used a non-assault weapon offensively to commit actual assault. Importantly, some of the most famous examples of the defensive use of assault weapons by civilians come from scenarios where the government has been either unable or unwilling to defend entire communities from large-scale civil unrest. During the 1992 LA riots, for example, law enforcement was nowhere to be found as hundreds of looters ransacked Koreatown. Ordinary store owners like Richard Ree and his employees took it upon themselves to defend their livelihoods from lawlessness, using, in many cases, semi-automatic rifles. Similar stories emerged during the civil unrest in Ferguson, Missouri in 2014. There are some here today who still genuinely don't understand why or how anyone would need such scary-looking rifles for purposes other than mass murder. And so I have permission from my mother to explain it to you by partially embarrassing her. My mother did not grow up with firearms, and they will never be her favorite thing in the world. In fact, she'd never handled a firearm until I took her to the range for the first time several years ago. Now, I love my mother, but like every other novice with a handgun, she was quite bad. I mean, she struggled to hit a stationary target from six yards out under ideal conditions. And then she picked up an AR-15. And I watched my mother put a fist-sized grouping of lead in the center mass of a target from 20 yards out. That is why law-abiding citizens buy millions of these firearms. When accuracy and stopping power matter, they are simply better. 
Americans use firearms to defend themselves between 500,000 and 2 million times every year. Now, God forbid that my mother is ever faced with a scenario where she has to stop a threat to her life. But if she is, I hope politicians protected by professional armed security didn't strip her of the right to use the firearm she can handle most competently. Frankly, I hope she has in her hands the scariest looking assault weapon she can find so that we can both be confident in her ability to end the threat. Thank you. Love that gal giving testimony on regarding guns. Hope you enjoyed that. Um, I wanted to just cover a couple local things. Uh, local for me is Marysville, Yuba City, California, Yuba Sutter counties. I know we got some listeners over there, in Missouri, uh, some over maybe in Nevada. Uh, we got a handful over there in Idaho, and. Uh, so I wanted to make uh, a comment about Measure K. Measure K is a sales tax that the supervisors of Yuba County fraudulently foisted upon us and the administrator of Yuba County and the county council who later quit in the midst of the controversial claiming she just always oh, a personal decision. But uh, she cranked out an ordinance that was severely flawed, bad legal work for getting paid one hundred and fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 a year. And so uh, now uh, the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association and John Missler, a citizen in Yuba County, and Charles Matthews, or Charlie Matthews, citizen in Yuba County, filed a court action against Measure K, claiming that it was a flawed ordinance. Uh, Superior Court Judge Stephen Barrier concurred with that and said, yes, uh, it was a flawed ordinance. And so, um, but the interesting thing is when that happens on a sales tax initiative or tax initiative, the tax continues to be assessed since it quote unquote passed illegally, it continues to be assessed until the fighting stops. So we were hoping that the fighting would stop with uh, the superior court judge, uh, Stephen Barrier's decision. Uh, but the supervisors, contrary to proper ethics and contrary to legality, they didn't have the balls to have a public discussion about whether they should appeal it or not and let the public have a say in it. So they went into closed session, hide in the dark, and not face their constituents who they claim they're, they're just there to serve. And they made a, a decision four to one with Mike Leahy declining to support the appeal. They voted to appeal it. Now, here's what the impact, because we're because we got a little inkling uh, of how much money here a month or so ago that they'd already collected since April was a million two or million five. So we figured out that they were collecting about eight thousand to eighty three hundred dollars a month of your sales taxes that that they shouldn't be. It's wrong. The judge said you shouldn't be collecting it. 
it was a wrong. In other words, it was not a successful uh, ballot measure. It only passed by 53%, and it needed to pass, according to Superior Court Judge Stephen Barrier, it needed to pass by two-thirds, and it only passed by a little over 50%. So it didn't really pass for the purposes that they designed it for. Now, the supervisors have now said they've, they've hired the same firm to appeal it. Now, that money, they're not paying that out of their pocket. They're paying it out of your and my pocket if you live in Yuba County. They have paid for this entire campaign, which has cost hundreds of thousands of dollars out of tax dollars that should have been paid, should have been fixing roads, should have been fixing sewers, should have been fixing drainage projects, should have been fixing uh, hiring proper amount of law enforcement, supplying the needs for law and fire. But instead, they've, they've been campaigning to take more of our money, even though in the meantime, they've hired the people that they needed to hire by using other money. Now, the money that's been taken, millions of dollars now have been taken from struggling, hardworking Yuba County residents. They've been taking that money, and it's being held supposedly in trust, quote, unquote. And uh, they're not to spend it. But the fact is, we know by talking to attorneys that even if Yuba County finally loses this completely, it's over when it's over, the tax will stop and the 1% would, will go away, the extra 1% we're paying in Yuba County. However, the millions of dollars compiling at $88,000 to $8,300 a day taken out of your pocket that you could take your kid camping or you could buy them a gun or you could buy them new clothes or you could set aside that money for college, the supervisors are going to get to spend that money. Is that wrong or not? You know what that's like? That's like a home invasion where they come in, break into your home, steal all your stuff. You catch them. They, they catch them and find them guilty, but they get to keep all your stuff. Now, does that seem right to you? That's exactly what this stupid law says. It's a, it's, the law wasn't right. The ordinance wasn't right. It, it did not pass correctly. But in the meantime, they get to pillage your bank account and keep all the money. How about that? They don't give it back because they can't figure out how to give it back. It's just a total, complete ripoff. Instead of what should have happened, as soon as they realized that the issue was being contested in court, it should have put a stop to the tax being assessed until it got resolved in court, right? That would be the fair way. But no, 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 no. The, again, the government steals from the people. The government steals from the people. I remember when the... A couple brothers from Wheatland went out and hung a sign over a, um, a McGowan Parkway over overcrossing on Highway 70, and it said, taxes are theft. And they got arrested and prosecuted and found guilty. Is that unbelievable? Taxes are theft. And it all depends on who says it on who gets arrested. If the right people say it, like an economist, like Walter Williams or Tom Sowell, nobody would dare arrest them. But you have a couple of youngsters out of Yuba County, and they, they get dragged into court and have to hire an attorney and still lose. Taxes are theft, and the, gut, the, the, the supervisors of Yuba County and Robert Bendorf, the county administrator, are at fault for ripping off the people to the tune of $8,300 a day 
If you're shopping anywhere in Yuba County, if you're smart, you will take your business outside the county and wait to buy a car until this tax gets a, the final kibosh in the appellate court. Then you can go buy your car anywhere in the world and it'll be taxed at 1% less, which if it's a $30,000 car is going to save you $300, my friend. All right, so that's that's uh, uh, the Major K. I'm going to me- make a couple comments about Pacific Gas and Electric. Pacific Gas, I don't know the history. Uh, I can't tell you when Pacific Gas and Electric started in Northern California. But I will tell you that Pacific Gas and Electric was able to manage their power lines without burning down the universe for hundreds of years. All my life in Yuba County, and we have forests in Yuba County, we have never had horrific fires. Now, please don't go down the global warming track. That's a crock of crap. It's a lie. It's fraud. Uh, PG&E either has not been doing its job. I know they haven't been checking their gas lines because the federal government found them at fault in the San Bruno gas explosion. They were getting money from the ratepayers through the California Public Utilities Commission to check their gas lines and, and upgrade them, and they weren't spending them on that. No one was checking on what to see whether they did what they were supposed to do, and they weren't doing their job. <clears throat> so they weren't doing their job on their power lines either, and they haven't been upkeeping them. So now they've got to where we have a third-world-style power system. Where if they think it's going to be a windy day or somebody's going to fart twice right in a row, then they got to shut down the power. Now, that is inter- that's that's ridiculous. We have before we had computers, before there was television, there was electricity, and we were able to manage the electricity without burning down the entire universe. And now we can't. But now they claim that it's all because of global warming that we have these horrific fires. No, it isn't. It's because we've allowed the forest to be overgrown. We haven't maintained the forest because of environmentalism. We haven't cleared out the undergrowth. We haven't cleared out the dead trees. We haven't allowed logging thinning, which was proper management. So if a fire got started, it didn't burn the whole place down. It just burnt along the ground. And uh, so we've created a pile of kindling that anytime lightning would strike, it burns everything up. That, in concurrence with forcing PG&E to spend egregious amounts of money for bird blender power and solar power, has created a bankrupt country, company, and they can't even maintain their own power lines and their own gas lines. And now, so what happens? The people suffer because of bad leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership. So it's just the way it is. It's a bad, bad deal. And and until people get fed up, I'm telling you, we're over 60% higher in PG&E right now. It's going to get worse because the policies of the state of California, they're doubling down. At the legislature, they're doubling down. They're forbidding fossil. They're going to stomp out the fossil fuel industry. That's a $300 billion industry. In California, people are going to leave because they're, because everybody else around the United States is expanding fossil fuel. 
I just saw where North and South Dakota, where there's a huge fossil fuel exploration in North Dakota, around Williston, North Dakota, they are the two of the top 10 tax-friendly states in the union. Just a thought. Um, I'm just looking down this deal here. I'm down to a couple sessions. I want to make sure I'm covering everything I want to cover today. So anyway, PG&E uh, is, is jerking, and it isn't just PG&E, because PG&E is a monopoly that's managed by the state of California through the California Public Utility Commission. And the state of PG&E is, uh, like, for instance, they, they were getting power from Mount Diablo or Diablo Canyon power plant. I toured that nuclear power plant uh, near San Luis Obispo, I don't know, back in the 19, early 80s. And that per, nuclear power is the cheapest, cleanest power we got going right now. And, and the, they shut it down because of environmentalism. San Onofre was, was supplying power down below San Diego, just above Tijuana, was su- supplying power to the, I think they call it Southern Edison, and they shut that down. Uh, they're just shutting down everything that makes sense and doing everything the hard way. Everything the hard way. That's why they want you to ride a bike and get rid of your car or be forced into some kind of train to nowhere and expect you to make it to your birthday parties and baseball games and all that kind of stuff that don't aren't train friendly. So it's interesting. California does not make the top... Uh, it does not make the top 10 least tax-friendly states. The only reason it doesn't is because of things like Prop 13. I wrote an article last week about Prop 13. If you want to go to territorialdispatch.biz or you can go on my website at uh, nohostagesradio.com you can read that article about Prop 13. You better read it if you live in the state of California. Now the other reason that California, it doesn't make it to the top 10 least tax-friendly states is because we have a prog- what they call a progressive income tax. We have the highest income tax rate at 13.1% for state, state income tax, not state sales tax, state income tax, 13.1% for all income earners over $1 million. And most of you that listen to this show are saying, thank God I don't make a million dollars, right? I, I missed that 13.1. So a lot of people in the state of California that don't make a lot of money don't pay any state income tax because the people that make the least don't pay hardly anything or nothing. And then you don't have to pay much until you get into the higher echelons of income. They call it a progressive income tax. So that keeps us out of the 10 least tax-friendly states in the union. But in other, in other areas of taxes, even with Prop 13, we're up pretty high in uh, property taxes. So uh, the most tax-friendly states in the union are Wyoming, Nevada, right next door. That's why many, many people, I have friends that have moved to Nevada. And they, they, they no sooner got over, they had jobs in a week or they had jobs before they got there. There's a shortage of people in Nevada. I'm talking about Reno in Las Vegas to take the jobs. Reno, I, I, I think I've told this story before. I tried to get a truckload of donated goods, 52-foot truck, pulled out of there, and I kept having trouble getting it, getting it loaded. And finally, I called over there because I was going to lose the load. 
they're going to give it to somebody else. And I called over there and they said, Lou, we have a shortage of forklift drivers. We, we can't even keep enough drivers. We have to stop loading trucks at two o'clock in the afternoon. Crazy, totally crazy. Wyoming, Nevada, Tennessee are the le- are the most tax friendly states in the union. Uh, so after that's Florida, Alaska, Washington, South Dakota, North Dakota, Arizona, New Hampshire. A lot of people moving down to Arizona. There's some people that used to work for Marysville Police moved to Arizona. A lot of a lot of law enforcement officials have moved over to areas like Lake Havasu, Arizona. So uh, the the uh, they're the least tax friendly states: Illinois, Connecticut, New York. Wisconsin, New Jersey, Nebraska, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Iowa, Kansas. Those are uh, a lot of times are high tax, either the income tax, uh, property taxes. Uh, let's see. Uh, I don't know how far I can get into the details. Okay, I'm going to let that go because I'm, I don't want to run out of time. How about this? This also has to do with taxes. Americans spent more on taxes in 2018. Thank you, Yuba County Supervisors, than on food, clothing, and health care combined. You would think that that you would spend less on taxes than food, clothing, and health care combined, right? It doesn't even add in how much you're paying for housing. Food, clothing, health care combined. Everybody needs food. Everybody needs some clothing. Everybody needs some health care, right? You add all those up, we're spending less on that than we are on taxes. What are, you, what are you getting for your taxes? You're not getting jacked. You know who's getting? You're getting jacked around by by people in office that are making a fantastic amount of money, claiming they're actually, this is the oxymoron. Things that don't go together is an oxymoron. An oxymoron is a, is a politician that they they call themselves public servants and they're making 80, 90, 100, 125, 130, 140, 150 or you find somebody working for the government head of a department, health department, human services, right? They're making 250,000. I'm all for firefighters being public servants, right? But there's I I looked up the other day in LA County, a guy was making $450,000 a year as a firefighter. You think that still considers a public servant that dude that's an entertainer man that's an entertainer so uh this uh this guy uh terrence jeffrey's a good writer he said uh, uh in the uh, bureau of labor statistics it's called a consumer unit a consumer unit is a single person living alone or sharing a household with others but who are financially independent or it could be two or more persons living together who share major expenses. In 2018, uh, American consumer units spent an average of 9000 and change on federal income tax, 5000 and change on Social Security tax, 2000 and change on state and local income tax, 2000 and change on property taxes, and 7785 on what the Bureau of Labor uh, statistics said other taxes the combined payments for the average american consumer unit so if you're a husband and wife that would be a consumer unit or you could be single right the average american consumer unit made um 
So the average amount that the American one American consumer unit paid on those categories I just mentioned above, the various taxes, was $18,617.93. So um, that same unit paid almost $8,000 on food, almost $5,000 on health care, and almost $19,000 on apparel and rel- related services. The combined was $14,758.11. So taxes... 18000 plus food, health, apparel, 14000 plus. Pretty interesting, eh? So I want to mention uh, one, one th- a third sponsor that's kept me doing this. If you want to help, you can help too. You can just dial me up at 713-1838-530-713-1838 if you want to contribute towards this thing i don't make a living on this in fact it costs me money to do this uh, you could send a check if you want to uh lou benninger uh at uh box 88 marysville california 95901 if you want to help at this for this show but uh one th- one uh other sponsor is the plumbing doctor and they are located, they, they work here and they're located in Yuba City, but they serve the Yuba Sutter County area. And you can reach them at 530-671-9111. And uh, I was telling somebody the other day, I forget where I was, uh, maybe I was in North Carolina. I think I was speaking at this uh, tip training down, a trauma intervention training, and I was telling people how I surround myself with professionals. So whether it's a medical need, spiritual need, auto need, plumbing need, house repair need. I just got all kinds of needs, and I surround myself with professionals to keep me going in the right direction, just keep me going. So whether I need a new part in my toilet or my doorknob fell off or I need a new knee or my car doesn't seem to be functioning properly, I just call in the professionals. And it just keeps me going and makes me happy. So if you got plumbing needs, that's a big problem, plumbing needs. And I, I like all the plumbing to work right. When I, when I flush, I like the water to go away from me. When I turn on the faucet, I like, to come, like the water to come at me and be warm occasionally. So if you have problems in that area, you got wet spots in your floor, that's, that's a bad sign. Or you got steam coming out of your yard. Call the plumbing doctor. They will fix you up. Six seven one nine one one one. We're gonna take another break. Let's see. I think are we in our last? We're in our last segment. And I got one of the guys that I miss. There'll probably never be another one. Is Jay Leno. And so I got some old Jay Leno interviews that just to give you a little humor before we wrap up the last session today. Be right back. There's a train coming. You don't need no baggage. You just get on board. All you need is faith to hear the diesel humming. You don't need no ticket. You just thank the Lord. Shelby. Shelby, what do you do? 
Um, I go to school at Michigan State University. And what is your major? Supply chain management. Very computer savvy? Yeah. Well, that's what we're trying to find out. People are more computer savvy or real world savvy. Mm -hmm. What once divided East Berlin and West Berlin? Uh, the Great Wall of China. The Great Wall of China. Where, where can you write on your friend's wall? Uh, Facebook. Facebook, okay. What is a Kindle? Oh, my sister has that. You can yeah. read different books, you download can read on them. It. Okay. <laughs> what is kindling? Does that have something to do with um, reading? A family? Like me next of kindling? Like if you're in an accident, you would call your next of kindling? Yeah. Hi, what's your name? Taylor Burrow. Taylor, okay. And uh, you're a college student? Yes, at Howard University. Oh, very good. What does NATO stand for? NATO stands for New Automobile Dealership Occasion. No. No. Okay. What is... R-O-F-L-A-L-M-A-O -L -L stand for? Rolling on the floor, laughing my ass off. <laughs> what is the object of angry birds? Birds on your iPhone and you pull it back and then yeah. shoot it. Knock over like boxes and bricks. Are there any pigs or anything like that involved? Pigs, yeah, and like some yeah. things get you points okay, and right. then you win the game. What is our objective in Afghanistan? To get oil that's not ours? No. No? no. I would stick with the angry birds. Angry birds. <laughs> in Greek mythology, what is a Trojan horse? It's a horse that Trojans rode in the battle. Yeah. They, they, they were a bunch of them, or they just had one horse? Uh, there were a bunch of them. There's there a, a ton of, them, of these yeah. Trojan horses. I assume there was more than one. Come galloping across. <laughs> All right. Okay. And, and what happened? Any idea? Uh, they fought wars on them. I, yeah, they yeah. gave them an advantage over the enemy. And what was the advantage of the Trojan horse? It was faster than all the other yeah, horses. Yeah. And it was made out of wood. That's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all the Trojans hid in it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, they you hit, don't want to be hiding in a real horse. It. No, they wouldn't. No, not but be. I tell you what, coming out would just be just horrible. On the internet, what is the Trojan horse? It's virus. Virus, right. Where is the Amazon located? Uh, somewhere near Africa. No, no. What is Amazon.com? You can buy everything at Amazon. Everything. everything. Right. Maybe a geography book. Sure. sure. Hi, what's your name? Jeremiah Wasson. Uh, what once divided East Germany and West Germany? Sea. The sea. All right. And then the water evaporated. And they were... United? United. Okay. Where can you write on your friend's wall? Oh, Facebook. Facebook. Hi, what's your name? Donald. What is a pediatrician? That's the feet. Feet. That's a foot doctor. Okay. What is Wikipedia? It's an online source for everything. It's like an encyclopedia. Okay. So if you looked up pediatrician on Wikipedia, you would get? The answer would be a foot doctor. Foot doctor. That probably is right on Wikipedia. Who wrote the Declaration of Independence? I know I'm wrong, but I'll say George Washington. No. Right. No. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who sang the song Friday, Friday? I think her name is Rebecca Black. Rebecca Black. And how do you know that? So it's almost creepy that you know that. I agree, but I yeah, just yeah. saw something this morning on it. Okay, right. What does WW2 stand for? Uh, what would you two do? <laughs> what would you two do? All right. What does WWW stand for? Worldwide Web. Worldwide Web.
That uh, reminded you of how uh, how superior Jay Leno was to the current crop of, of night late night comedians. <clears throat> Pretty sad situation nowadays. I want to talk a little bit about local situation here with the city of Marysville where I live, and. Uh, Pretty discouraging. Uh, the city of Marysville, uh, over a period of about 50 years, has uh, didn't really matter who is the city council. The predominant uh, wishes of the city council have been uh, stupid uh, and has, has actually caused the city of Marysville to go from thriving, healthy city where the neighborhoods were clean, uh, lawns watered, streets paved, uh, that was sort of good government, pretty sound government, uh, to where the streets, you could break your ankle in some of the cracks. Parks don't get water. Most houses in the U, in the uh, Marysville area, there's about 12,000 people. I don't know how many actually houses there are. Probably, I don't know whether Marysville water hooks up to three or 4,000 maybe. Hardly anybody wants to water their yard anymore or doesn't actually don't water their yard because the water costs are phenomenally high. Um, actually, I sat next to a gal on a plane the other day who lives in El Dorado Hills. She said her water was $400 a month. You wonder why people are leaving California? And uh, the people I visited, I think I told you the people I visit, visit in Asheville have a huge lot you could use sheep on that lot to keep the lawn down, $30 a month. And uh, so in the city of Marysville, just uh, the, the, uh, a few city councils ago, uh, all of those city council people are now off the council, moved on in their life. Uh, they voted to indebt the city, starting with a $5 million debt to buy uh, fi about five acres of property along Ellis Lake. It's it's a fiasco. In fact, uh, you know, I can't go get into the weeds on it, but uh, they rebonded it. Now we owe something like $17 million for a piece of property. Now, I mean, you, you don't often hear commercial people, you know, get all, into all the details because it's their business. When a, a real estate firm makes a real stupid choice, they suffer the consequences and it doesn't affect the rest of the community. When the city council does something really stupid, we're going to be living with it for generations. And that's the case with the B Street Boondoggle, five acres they purchased. We now owe $17 million for a piece of property. It sounds like the mafia stole the bank, right? For a piece of property that is worth about $2 million. Is that crazy? It, it, shouldn't people go to jail for that? Five people make a decision, or th even three out of five could have made the decision. They didn't ask the they didn't ask the voters. The voters didn't have a say, but the voters have to pay every nickel of it. Those city council people can move to another community and never be held responsible. If that isn't a crime, we got people in Yuba County Jail right now that have done far less damage to our community. They stole a stereo. They sold some drugs. Do you think that's as bad 
is ripping off the public for $17 million? Do you think that's as bad as what the Yuba County supervisors? Somebody, there's a lot of people in Yuba County jail that should be released because the supervisors are ripping the the, the county residents off for $83,000 a day. If people were extorting that from their employer, they would go to prison for years. The city council has buried us with $17 million in debt. Then the next city council got a 1% tax added on to the city of Marysville. And right after they got a couple million more dollars uh, a year coming in, you know what they did? They indebted the city by going out and borrowing another millions of dollars to, to, uh, or nearly a million dollars to purchase 19 vehicles. 19 brand new vehicles, never in the history of this city, in the most robust times of this city, did we go out and buy 19 new vehicles. 19! We have a, 19 vehicles for a city of 12,000 and to cover 3.4 miles. And now, I am told, I did not attend the meeting, but I had friends there, that the city council was offered... Instead of pumping fresh Yuba River water at no cost to them that was going to be paid for by private business people, and they were going to work out all the permits, test the pump, see if it works, no risk. It, it's, like, it's like buying a car and you could turn it back anytime you want and quit paying on it just by taking, in other words, a, a permanent test drive make the payments. But in this case, the business people were actually paying for the repair of the pump. If it needed repaired, hook up the electricity, pump it, pump for a month, pay all the money, see if it cleaned up the lake, but no, no, no. They're going to make a, a Frankenstein aquarium out of Ellis Lake with compressors pumping stuff. When a normal lake, a sixth grade kid at Yes Academy up in Oregon House, could figure out that if you have fresh water coming in the lake and water going out of the lake, you could keep it fresh without slime all over the place. But these people at the Marysville City Council are going to, on top of $17 million in debt, and then they bonded 19 cars. Now we're, they did more bonds to get 19 new vehicles. Now we're going to we're going to spend six or seven hundred thousand. I think it's six hundred seventy-five thousand dollars to put twenty-five percolators, like you would in your home aquarium, at the bottom of our lake, and add chemicals to it and run compressors. So when now when you walk around the lake, you not only hear traffic, but you hear running to run a darn lake. It's the most insane thing. There's no lake in Yuba County. We got lakes all over Yuba County. Not one of them have compressors and percolators or aerators in our lake. And yet we have free rights if we don't lose them. Now it looks like they're going to sacrifice the free water rights where from you can go all the way back to the early 1900s and all these, they already got their mind made up. They don't compare, they, they actually don't care. They're going to pay EKI Associates, a total ripoff engineering firm, that just they come up here and fart and you pay them twenty thousand dollars. They do don't do nothing for it. The Gavin the Gavin Park 
that they're going to get $400,000 grant from the Department of Water Resources. We could put a pump over there and run all those sprinklers for $7,000, five to $7,000. We could put a pump and and we could drill a well and put a pump in every park in in Mar- the city of Marysville for probably half of that money. And that they're going to pay this EKI, all this kind of money, it's a crime. You know what they're going to do? You know what they're doing right now? You know, they blame, they just point fingers and say, well, you know, it's that city council. They just made a mistake back in those days when they, when they bonded, they shouldn't, have, they shouldn't have bonded that property in 2006. They shouldn't have floated those bonds in 2006. Then they blame everything now on Dave Lame. Just blame, 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 blame. Not, not, not our fault. We'll just clean. You know, it's just, we're just cleaning up the mess. We're just cleaning up the mess somebody else made. But you know, you, you know, here's the flaw in that argument. Stupid is as stupid does. Stupid is as stupid does. When you, I told Bill Simmons this the other day, I was talking to him. He's a city council member. I said, Bill, everybody makes a mistake and can make a bad decision. But when you make a bad decision over 90% of the time, that's, you could do better by flipping a coin. That, you got 50% odds there. Don't even have to like think it through. You don't have to read the agenda. We got people that claim that, they didn't know anything about what was going to be on the agenda as if they don't get an agenda ahead of time. You're kidding me. Any city council or people on a board that doesn't read their agenda and doesn't do their own homework, doesn't deserve to be on the damn board. Just get off. Or if you don't understand it, you shouldn't vote on it to sit and vote because the, 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 the city administrator or some staff member says to vote on it. If you don't understand it, you should, you should abstain. And stay out of it. If you're too stupid to figure it out yourself, if you're too stupid to think that you're going to make an aquarium out of a, I don't know how many acres Ellis Lake is, this thing is going to, we can't even afford for when, when Dale Whitmore, the biologist came out on the board, we couldn't even afford to run the damn pump on the lake. Now they're going to, they're going to pay twenty thirty thousand $30,000 a month maintenance on that lake. Or whatever it amounts to a year. Some fantastic amount of money. We can't even afford to run the pump now. Where's that money going to come from? And you're going to run all these aerators that are going to break. And compressors are going to break down. And there's no guarantee. You know. You know somebody. I'm not even going to get into personalities here. But somebody had the gall to say that I didn't know what I was talking about. I read. I actually read the documents that the city council got. And did some research. And talked to people that put in pumps. And actually know something about water. And had somebody said to some friends of mine, well, he doesn't really know the whole story. No, the problem is the city council doesn't want to know the whole story. And they have their minds made up. And what's going to, it's the same thing that happened when they bought the, the property down on Beast. Well, I remember, uh, uh, oh, one of this, that old bag that was on the city council. What's her name? I can't think of it now. Anyway, she said, well, well, we didn't, we didn't know that the, that the housing market was going to take a dive. We're not psychics. Maybe since you aren't psychics and you don't know anything about the housing market, you should stay out of the real estate altogether. Why don't you get a, a guarantee from EKI that the lake is going to be clean? You know, in the EKI uh, packet on once they do this in f- make this aquarium 
the Ellis Lake Aquarium, you still can't swim in the lake. The lake is not going to be clean enough with all those percolators. I don't know where the city council's read this document. No contact, it's no contact sports in the lake. That means you can't, it's not healthy enough to swim in after spending a million dollars on it. Hold that thought. If that isn't stupid, I don't know what is. Folks, if you live in Marysville, you're going to continue spending a lot of money for government services and have total dysfunction. And just people just, I guess, if I ever have a heart attack, it's going to happen because people are continuing to say stupid stuff. It's not going to have anything to do with whether I take care of myself or not. But people saying are so ignorant and stupid and i don't care and honestly going to college today is actually a setback if you went to college oh my god you went to college i would not hire you you kidding me people are crazy people are crazy on that city council absolutely crazy they keep raising people's pay it's interesting they say oh we need all this money for police and fire then once they got all the money on Measure C to raise the sales tax in the city of Marysville, they raised everybody's wages. That wasn't. Nobody said anything about that. You know, the fact is, the big lie on Measure C, which is the, state, the sales tax increase in the city of Marysville, and Measure K, which is sales tax increase for Yuba County, the big lie is hiding that the money is going to pensions. Because people aren't going to vote for money going to pensions. Because most people can't afford the kind of pensions that the government's paying their own people. They just don't think it's fair. They like police and fire, but they say, hey, $400,000 a year, $200,000 a year, $180,000 a year. Forget about it. I don't make that kind of money. I appreciate you. You didn't have to be a police, a police officer or a firefighter. There's a lot of other professions that are a lot more dangerous than the both. I'm compassionate. Police officer gets killed. I'm, I'm not happy about that. Firefighter gets hurt, dies of cancer from all the fumes. I'm not happy about that at all. It's a, it, yeah, it's, it's a downside of the disease. I have an uncle that worked in uh, fiberglass. He died of fiberglass-related disease. You know, there's lots of chemicals everywhere. We don't, we don't like, give them extra money for doing those kind of work. But the fact is, these increases are because we can't afford to pay the kind of money that they're paying these people or the pensions. That's what it all comes down to. It was all a big lie. It's the same thing as Ann Coulter was talking about of the FBI. The FBI lied in the first place regarding the, the Russian investigation, Russian influence. They lied. Then they lied. Then they changed their story and lied again. It's just like a con man. It's just like a convict. You guess somebody, you got them on the stand, they lie, then they cover up that story, then they cover up that story, then they cover up that story, and that's exactly what we got going on locally. Exactly what we're going on locally. Now, the, the cool thing in China is they just take people out and shoot them. When they had the SARS epidemic, I had a team, we flew a team into Hong Kong and then went into China, went up into one of the inner, I can't remember whether we went to Beijing that time or not, but anyway, there were SARS every, they had SARS, people were dying left and right over there. Right. Because they somebody ate the Chinese will eat anything that moves. So they eat they somebody ate a, a sick civet cat. 
and that that disease then started to spread in the human human species. So I think it started up around Beijing. So what they did is they killed the major of Beijing, the mayor of Beijing. They just take people out and take care of them. You know, th- there is a deterrent. They say the sociologists, liberal sociologists say, oh, the, there's no deterrent if you lock people up for third strike. The hell there isn't. I've had all kinds of people that were criminals that did time that sp- has spoken to me to juvenile hall kids. And if I, I'd like to have five dollars for every time they brought up that they ha- they're a second striker and and they don't want to get a third strike, it's on their mind. It's on their mind. I got more I got more understanding of that than the average sociologist does down there at Cal or criminologist. People that got a third strike if the if the third strike law was impactful nowadays they've they've taken the teeth out of it now but it has a big it has a big impact. So when you take people out and shoot them for malfeasance, whether it's a mayor of a city or not not dealing with the health issues or ripping off the the the, the country. Now, we got a guy I can't even I, I don't even I, I think this I, I can't even believe this is legit news. This this mayor. Mayor Zhang Ki, 58 year old guy of Haiku City, H-A-I-K-O-U or Haikou City. In China, an office from 2008 to 2010, cops found 13.5 tons of pure gold. I, there's a picture of it here. I don't know where that dude got this gold. There's no way he can earn that kind of money. Uh, they got a video of it, giant piles of gold bars. I don't know where these guys get all this gold, where they stash it over there. Now, this is a communist country where most of the people are struggling. There are a lot of people doing much. They're doing much better than they were when I first went there, when they're all riding bicycles. Now they're in cars. When I went there the first time in about 1990, they were all on black bicycles. You didn't even get an alternative color, man. You got black. There was black, and then there's black, and then you could get black. Haiku is a provincial capital of Hainan with a population of around 9 million people. The guy's a mayor or kind of a governor of the region. He's also a ranking Chinese Communist Party member. I thought these people all, all you know, we're all going to suffer together. We're all going to stand together like nobody gets ahead. This dude, man, he's... So supposedly Xi Jinping, the prime minister of China, is cracking down on corruption as it's a major policy for the Communist Party. These communist guys are so corrupt. In fact, they got even Diane Feinstein and her husband cut in on the deal over there. Do you know their buddies, Ping and her? Well, okay. I guess we're about out of time. Uh, I'll just remind you that the the daughters of the leaders of Venezuela are worth millions and billions of dollars and spending money like going out of style, staying at the Ritz-Carlton, staying at the big Paris hotels. All these people are supposedly socialists, concerned about the poor, the underprivileged, going to raise people up and anti-capitalists. Isn't that interesting? 
And there's, I, I was going to tell you about 120 years of climate scares. I wrote about some climate scares in the Territorial Dispatch. You can go online at territorialdispatch.biz if you're interested. Let's see. The Life Chain, that's this Saturday. or the, I'm sorry, this Sunday, October 6th, I think it is. <clears throat> if you want to find out about that, call Church of Glad Tidings, 530-671-3160. Trauma intervention that I run, go out on 911 calls. We're starting our fundraiser through the next couple months. If you want to help trauma intervention, you want all, nearly every cent. We hardly have any administration. All the money goes to help victims of the worst day of their life. <clears throat> if you want to help us, you can send a check to TIP, T-I-P, P.O. Box 645, Marysville, Nine five nine zero one. We, we've done. We've responded to over eleven thousand nine one one calls in our twenty five year history. No government money. All supported by volunteers, and caring individuals and, and businesses. Uh, we don't have any salaries. We don't have an office. So almost besides office supplies and computers and phones some insurance every single nickel goes to help traumatize people so this week uh why don't you focus on paying attention to people around you and if you can make a difference that's good and if you have a person that you haven't met you meet somebody new you never know it could be an angel and you don't even know it so be kind to them if you meet up with them all right so uh, this is Lou Benninger signing off. Catch you later. We would especially like to welcome all the representatives of Illinois' law enforcement community who have chosen to join us here in the Palace Hotel Ballroom at this time. We certainly hope you all enjoy the show. And remember, people, that no matter who you are and what you do to live and thrive and survive, there's still some things that make us all the same. You 